You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Wednesday, coming to you live from our studios here on South College Streets. My name is JJ Jackson, proudly serving as the host of this show. On the program with me today, I've got Ryan Lavoy, Tom Peavy, and our intern Drew Bahena in the studio hanging out with us today. We've got birthdays in sports. We'll chat with Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves. We're proud to be partnered with the Braves Radio Network. So one final wrap-up conversation coming your way with Ben Ingram a little bit later. It's a Wednesday, so we've got Joe Bartle from Rotowire stopping by for the fantasy football latest. And also we've got a hump day update on those Campbell camels we'll see what they're getting into these days so tons to discuss your phone calls always welcome 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 jj jackson with tom peavy drew behenna and ryan lavoy tom how are you sir uh doing good if uh if my voice sounds a little weird it's i'm the entire left side of my face and mouth are numb from uh getting a crown a little put dental on work a couple of a couple hours ago so uh yeah trying to battle through the trying to battle through that I, i'm not quite uh you're a big time performer man <laughs> i mean you know you show keep must fighting go, through exactly show, show, show goes on the show must go on but uh uh yeah a lot of stuff going on in the in the world of sports right now especially with college football i mean all eyes obviously on auburn uh, more players leaving the program not a good look there but which one is the bigger dumpster fire right now is it auburn or texas a&m because man that the stuff going on out in college college station texas is uh, uh it's quite the you know what show and uh i i don't know how that's going to improve out there but uh yeah a lot going on a lot to talk about ready for that hump day update because i know who they played this week and uh should be interesting conversation yeah we'll be able to talk about that a little bit later uh, during today's show ryan how are you i'm doing well man and uh yeah obviously a lot continuing to transpire with um some guys already leaving the program for auburn mid-season and uh yeah as tom alluded to texas a&m and always not having anything resembling the season that they wanted to have nor should have for what they're paying jimbo fisher and so uh, that uh, that's going to be a talking point for sure, but uh, yeah, we're we're right in the mix of, of everything going on right now. It feels like you've got seasons and mid or you've got stuff in mid season form. You've got stuff like the World Series coming up to end the season. You've got stuff like basketball just beginning. So uh, a lot to talk about and a lot to go through. 
It's going to be an amazing show. We've got so much to get into, as, as we just said. Drew Bahena, how are you, sir? Doing well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on again. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure when you stop by. As you guys mentioned, there are a couple of changes to the Auburn football roster since the start of the season. Zakevius Walker, Landon King, A.D. Diamond, a couple of players uh, no longer on the roster, as it seems as though they've looked for other opportunities, uh, posting messages online and uh, entering the transfer portal. So uh, things continue to change in the future of Auburn football continues to look very, very uh, cloudy right now in regards to who this head football coach is, in regards to players on the roster, in regards to the validity of reports out there, what's true, what's not true, a constant separation of fact and fiction. I mean, we've got a ton going on here in uh, the life of Auburn football, so we're going to discuss that all throughout today's program. Your phone calls are welcome, 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 9 should you want to be a part of the program. Again, Ben Ingram joins us early in the show today to recap the Atlanta Braves 2022 season. So let's go ahead and get some phone callers here on the line as we go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time during today's show. Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve has joined us here on Sports Call. Hello, Steve. Oh, well. Uh, hello, guys. Hello, sir. Uh, glad to hear your voices. Why don't we start with something positive? Can we do that first? I'd love to. Go right ahead. How about Mr. Andrews Carlson being recognized with two academic awards? You know that? I didn't know it. I did see that. Good for him. Make taking care of yeah. business in the classroom, and uh, yeah, that is a, something to celebrate. Absolutely. Name to the NFF. Does that stand for National Football Foundation? What does the NFF stand for, guys? I believe so. I believe you're Na- right. National no. Football Federation. I think is the NFL. Oh, Federation. Okay, he's a National Scholar Athlete class, uh, and he's also finalist for the William V. Campbell Trophy, which is awarded to college football's foremost scholar. Says here, and will receive. An eighteen thousand dollar postgraduate scholarship just for being named to the NFF class. So that was uh, quite amazing to see that he made that kind of a you know uh, award. I did know this. This comes from Auburn uh, Wire. Carlson is only the fifth Auburn player in the school's history to be honored with the NFF Scholar Award, and is the first since two thousand three. Didn't know that one. Now now I do. Now this is the sad commentary about Mr. Carlson. He is currently, hold all to your seats, Auburn's highest scorer with yeah. 42 points. And has connected 80%. It's not a good look when your highest scorer is the field goal kicker. You can look at that in a variety of different directions. I mean, the, the, if you're scoring touchdowns, the kicker's point totals are going to go up in a wide direction. Auburn just hasn't yeah, scored a lot. Score I know that, today, Steve. Today. But also remember that when you look at the leading scores in the history of the sport, it's always going to be kickers because they're always scoring every time uh, touchdowns are scored and that sort of thing. Okay. Well, uh, if you want to take that view, okay. That, it's not great. Uh, yeah, you're right. We need to do a better job of scoring the football. But, uh, yeah, it's – it's Yeah. All right. Next, what you and, got? Uh, how about this? This to me uh, was rather uh, in, insightful, and uh, actually, to me, wow, this is a uh, kind of interesting comment. You may have already seen it anyway, uh, but apparently, um, someone rather familiar to the Auburn uh, fandom said that Dion could coach anywhere in the country, college or professional level. That he wants to. Bo Jackson. It's just whether or not the organization is ready for prime. Uh, Mr. Bo Jackson. Yep. yep. Uh, apparently said it on live. I saw the uh, the podcast, I guess, or interview. 
that he had. Uh, and I said, wow. So what do you make of that comic? I said in an interview with Tony Anderson on USA Today's Sports Seriously. Uh, what do you make of his comments, guys? Uh, sounds, sounds like he would be on board if Dion were to come here. Um, I, I mean, he he's saying what most people are saying, that he thinks Deion Sanders would be successful uh, wherever he goes just because of his knowledge of the game, his mentality of the game, his coaching style. Uh, it, it, it goes well in the coaching community, and that's why Bo Jackson thinks he'd be successful. Well, my take is uh, I, I mean, how could we do worse? Oh, you could definitely do worse. <laughs> okay, so we could do worse, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of top names out there, and all of a sudden Brian Harson was named the head coach, and that just kind of came out of the blue. So, uh, Well, I'm just glad we're not as worse as maybe Texas A&M might be with Jimbo Fisher. You uh, know, his players, the ones that got suspended, do you know what they were suspended for? At least that's what I read, for a smoking uh, pot. In the, uh, in the locker room. Uh, I guess in the locker room. Is that right? That's what I've read. Okay. Uh, so are they suspended for a few games or entire season, guys? Do you know? Uh, it said indefinitely for some of them, and then a couple of them are just no longer with the program. So hmm. sounds like he's uh, sounds like he's laying the, laying the hammer down on some of those guys. Well, uh, how egregious do you see that, guys, in terms of the infraction there? And the uh, I guess and the consequences concerning a lot of states now legalizing marijuana. Yeah, but I mean there there's still there's a time and place for it, and sitting in the locker room getting ready to go play a game is probably not. The yeah, time it'd be for the it. same thing as if you were like drinking beer, drinking beer in the, the game, yeah. in the locker room. So I mean that's not <clears throat> you're right. Other places are legalizing it, and, and and so you can speak to you know that that sort of thing happens a lot. But happening in a in the locker room, that that's not something that can happen in the locker room. Okay, I'm just equate that versus people like Jameis Winston who got away with all kind of crap, you know, stealing, uh, abusive of, of uh, you know, assaulting females. So I'm I'm just saying, you know, all right, uh, let's go to the more serious stuff to, for for our team. This comes from um, I guess SI or Fan Nation. And I saw it last night from a Lindsey Crosby. Yeah. And it says, Brian Harson is telling players they want to redshirt, that they must enter the transfer portal or quit the team. Guys, uh, do you have any intel on the credibility of that and the validity of that or, or what? Zero intel whatsoever. Lindsey Crosby has been a guest on our program before. Uh, but in terms of the anonymous source that he's referring to, I have no clue who that would be. Um, so I, I don't want to sit here and deny any of his reporting that's out there. That is just something that uh, was not on our radar whatsoever. But we do understand that a lot of people want to talk about this conversation today. Okay. Now, um, of course, we also lost because uh, you know Landon King, and now uh, we lost uh, Mr. Diamond. Right. That's right. Zacchaeus okay. Walker, Landon King, A.D. Diamond, no longer on the roster, and they were at the start of the year. And that's all, in fact, he's, uh, Harson said, he said he's all on our team. Now, when these uh, people say they're no longer on the team, what does that mean for the, for the players? Do they get evicted from their dorm, from the athletic dorms, or where they're at? Uh, do they continue to stay on scholarship until – because I read that they don't actually uh, – right now they can't enter 
uh, the portal window until December the fifth. Correct. Like that. Is that, yeah. Is that right? I would so imagine. I would imagine your scholarship is still honored for the academic semester that you're currently in. I don't see them just all of a sudden cutting it off. Uh, that would get too hairy and way too many logistics involved. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be an automatic. Hey, get the heck out of uh, the storm here. Um, but uh, they will try to make plans uh, as soon as possible to get you moving on to the next stage of your life if you do decide to transfer. And, you know, we're all aware that, you know, players leave teams. Alabama has them, you know, A&M. Or, you know, a lot Every of, team know. in America does. Right. Every team here's in America. Part, here's the one that I want to get your, uh, hopefully, better insights than I've probably got, okay, when it comes to these kind of issues. Go right ahead. For our program. It says here... Uh, with Diamond, I'm saying what it says here is from 247 Sports, Nathan King. With Diamonds and King's decisions, this makes nine of Auburn's 18 signees in 2021 class are gone. Right. Including, including five of the top ten prospects. Diamond and King joined defensive tackle Lee Hunter, safety Ahmad Harvey, quarterback Demetrius Davis, receiver Hal Presley, Ian Matthews, and former junior quarterback Kamal Hayden and Roe Torrance. As a part just from last year's freshman class. Of course, we also have JJ Pegues and uh, some other people. Uh, he says now, Harson has now seen 31 scholarship players transfer out of the program since he took over in 21 months as a coach. Um, well, what do you make of that, guys? Uh, am I being bothered by that unnecessarily, or should we be bothered by that? You want players to play for Auburn University, and that number is, uh, that's a big number, but uh, other schools go through this like we said. Uh, I think the fact that Brian Harson is such, or is in such hot water with this fan base, with the football program in particular, that all of these issues are going to be escalated. You're going to start to feel uh, way more passionate about them and that sort of thing. Look, guys need to stay and and play for the school that they commit to but if you were to do this and i don't have the numbers here steve i would be absolutely fascinated by the numbers but if someone were to sit down and just look at the total number of transfers in college football they've done this a couple of times over the past few years or in college basketball and just compare it in five-year stretches it is unbelievable where we have reached and, you know, you don't want to say it's a generation thing, but there, I mean, it just appears to be more and more evident that the further along we go with more of these opportunities available, you are going to see more and more players transfer and find and try to seek immediate gratification and immediate satisfaction. And so if you are not seeing instant playing time or something like that, that's the situation you find yourself in. And I think folks want to uh, look for greener pastures in those moments and that sort of thing. I'd like for one of you guys in the studio to comment on that as well before we turn it back over to Steve. But just the overall increase in transfers that we've seen across the sport, not just Auburn, 31 and 21 months for Harson on the job. Yeah, I think it's just becoming so much more common across the whole scheme of college football. I remember growing up watching and it was major news if a player was leaving the program for whatever reason, whether it was to transfer or a suspension. And it seems like you can't go a day without hearing, yes, Auburn in the news for something similar, but it's it seems like it's everywhere across the nation right now as far as players, like JJ said, whether they're not playing, they're unhappy with the coaching situation, um, maybe the school's just not a right fit for them. It's and it's so easy now there's the rule about or the former rule I should say about sitting out a year is all but done away with 
if not completely done away with. And sometimes it's hard to blame these kids who are going to a seemingly better situation for themselves as a sometimes 18-year-old kid who wants to put their name out there, hope to play at the next level, and I struggle with having an opinion one way or the other on the whole situation because if I was a college football player and I was unhappy in my situation and knew how easy it was to probably go somewhere else and get more playing time, it would be hard for me to turn that down. Anyone else care to comment? Go ahead, Steve. Okay. Uh, and, of course, you know, uh, everything that you guys have commented is uh, fair enough and, and, and has merit. My, I hope I'm not magnifying this, but from, I read other bloggers and I'm, I'm with them. You know, did you read the actual tweet or, or uh, comments from Landon King and his uh, deciding to delete the program? Did you read his words? I did. I know we thanked Gus Malzahn and didn't thank Brian Harson. Yeah, he, he never and mentioned exactly. Brian Harson at all. Not, no, hey, forget uh, Harson. He mentioned none of the coaches. Yeah. And Landon King was promoted and portrayed as being one of our, you know, really uh, up and coming, you know, highly recruited, you know, uh, players. And we only saw him once against Penn State, right, guys? Yeah. Not, not really sure what the, not really sure what the whole deal was with the lack of use of Landon King. I mean. Everybody thought he's going to be a great player, but he hasn't been able to crack that lineup, and uh, I don't know why. And he's not angry because you know he did. He said, "I'm reading right here." He said, "Auburn will always hold a very, very special place in my heart, and I'm so glad I chose Auburn. I love this place so much, and it really hurts me inside that I have to make this decision." So I got to ask you guys. You know, yeah, we know people leave and come and go. Uh, you know, are are we seeing people are they jumping ship? I I, I think yes. Of, I mean, in general, yeah. in the in the sport in general, way more people are jumping ship. It's going to be an individual case by case basis for everybody at Auburn when we but discuss this. But Steve, when you look at the volume of numbers, you have to walk away saying, "Look, people are moving on. They're jumping ship. It's easier to do it. Let me go find something else." But are they jumping ship, JJ, because of what is happening with? The coaching current coaching staff, or this is just to be expected, because I'm thinking it's the latter. The 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 form that is because of Harson and the coaching staff, something something is not right. Yeah, there's got to, and I'm not trying. I'm, I'm not going to be in a position where I defend Brian Harson. I defended Gus Malzahn and would still defend Gus Malzahn, but I'm not going to put myself strictly in that boat with Coach Harson. But I promise you, whoever the next football coach is for Auburn, they are also going to see players transfer. We hope it is not at the rate in which you see it currently, but it's not like this is going to go away all of a sudden unless unless there is instant change to the rules within the sport itself. And I saw a listing from Jason Caldwell of the people that have left the program since uh, Harson did it, and most of these people have been four-star players. They, they weren't like you know walk-ons or three-star players. Most of them have been four-star players. You know, you got to say, well, you know, well, why so many? Yeah, you know, we don't have that many, and do we have enough people to still fill the team come Saturday? You know, I'm, I'm trying to be light here, but good mm. gosh, you know, when you lose half of your uh, recruits, you know, already, and you've only been here not quite two years, uh, it sucks. Just, it, that, it just yeah. it sucks. <clears throat> Alabama is and Georgia have lost four and five star players over the last but few years. To, 
They can afford to, JJ. They can afford to. But we they're can. still losing them. The fact yeah. of the matter is they're still losing them. It is still a problem in the sport. Yeah. This is just heightened because Auburn is at a spot where everybody hates Brian Harson. There is nobody right now that is in his corner. Nobody that he can turn to. So okay, every JJ. issue that's there is going to be compounded and put on the shoulders of Brian Harson himself. Please, I don't hate Brian Harson. I just don't think he's any longer a good fit to be the head coach for our program. Okay, and that's that's how I say. I don't know enough to hate him. I just don't think he's likewise. Likewise, I should, that's a strong word to use. But everybody has jumped off the Harson ship. Everybody. Now let me ask you. He has nobody in his corner. His, is it within a coach's authority to tell somebody what this reporter alleges uh, was said? to the players that they and that's an entirely different discussion that you can't use your red shirt unless you're uh unless you're injured apparently a lot yeah. of coaches do that yeah though. i mean i Cole not, Kubelik was saying that that's to me, not unusual to me that makes sense to me credit to brian harson for saying you know what if you're healthy to play get your ass out there and play point blank period or don't be a part of the or team. don't be a part of the team Okay, because these so these things I just can't make sense of. Uh, to a more lighter note, uh, I see that our uh, volleyball team is now eighteen and two, right? Yeah, big tonight. match tonight at the home against Florida. Eighteen uh, Florida Gators, right? Yep, big one tonight. And I still can't understand because I don't know oh, the volleyball thing how they scored it. They they say we have to probably beat Gators. So we can have a chance to be an at-large team. I said, "Wow, we've only lost two games." Yeah, still got a lot of work. What's the criteria? What's the bar? Some work to do. It's a uh, look. You got to prove it. Auburn had a, a little bit of a weaker schedule to it uh, this season, but they've been able to get the wins out there. They've been playing really well in SEC play, and hopefully that continues and they can continue or they could participate, I should say, in the uh, in the upcoming NCAA tournament. Steve, it was good to hear from you, but we got to get set for our conversation with Ben Ingram today. I hear you. Would you say anything about the men's uh, golf team, right? Absolutely. Kudos to them. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Came from behind. All right, guys. Hey, I thank you so much for your comments because uh, this is just not sitting well with me. Yeah. Uh, And uh, thank you for the therapy uh, that you gave me. Uh, I'll uh, take that and try it and, you know, just hopefully this thing gets turned around quickly by Dr. Roberts. So until next time, guys, have a safe afternoon. I'll look forward to hearing other uh, comments and conversation with your uh, other guests. So until next time, guys. War Eagle, no matter what. War Eagle. All right, that's retired War Damn Steve joining us on the program. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 Before we go to Ben Ingram, thoughts, comments. I mean, this is clearly the uh, the talk of town right now, the state of this Auburn football program, uh, and it is important to talk about Brian Harson and the future of this program, but it is also important to, uh, and not that Steve was guilty of this in this instance, But the internet can be. The internet is a dark place. And for once, please take off your orange and blue glasses and realize that transfers are happening everywhere. And also realize that head football coaches want you to play if you're healthy. That's why you were given a scholarship is to be out there and to be on the field playing. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, excuse me, the transfer thing happens all the time. Um, You see players leaving programs everywhere. The, the biggest thing is though, you have to be able to bring in more than you're losing, and that's what it feels like is not happening right now. And I, and I don't mean just numbers. I mean talent. Um, so, yeah, that's going to happen. Now, as polarizing as things are right now with Brian Harson, it makes it look worse than uh, uh, Jermaine Burton, for instance, leaving Georgia and going to Alabama. 
yeah, that looked weird, and it was, you know, why would you leave Georgia and all? But, I mean, Kirby Smart's in a good spot. Okay, so Jermaine Burton, one guy, he decided to leave the program and, and go play. All right, so, or go play somewhere else. All right. Not as, you know, not as, you know, focused on the head coach when that happens, but then when it happens with Brian Harson, then it's a major issue. Same thing at Texas A&M right now. If you start seeing guys leaving that program – well, I mean, he is under a monster microscope right now, and so it's gonna it's gonna hit a lot harder in in the media world when that happens, and that's what Harson is. So, anytime a player leaves right now, it's gonna look worse than normal just because of the situation that Auburn is in at the moment. Yeah, I think for for me, I mean, the issue here is not in this case that a couple guys are transferring is when they're transferring, and um, you know, I. I struggle to have the same passionate defense because you know this is happening right in the middle of a season um and given that you've already had so many people transfer over the last year or two i think this does is a reflection on brian harson i think it is a reflection on the coaching staff yeah and that is true that every school is dealing with more transfers than they used to clearly but not every school deals with multiple guys transferring in the middle of a season. Um, and not every school has dealt with the kind of uh, just large, sheer numbers that Auburn's had. Auburn's got guys starting that have transferred since Gus Malzahn was fired in almost every major conference, starting for these teams, starting in the Pac-12, starting in the SEC at Ole Miss and Kentucky, no. starting in the AAC. I mean, you got guys everywhere playing and, and transferring and to varying levels of contribution. Of course, not all are stars, but but some are players that Auburn would love to have a part of their depth right now. Um, and, and so the reality is, you know, Harson has a very – um, a very small, a very very thin way of how he sees what should how a program should be run. He has got a very particular set way, and he's no nonsense, and he's very defined in what he's looking for. And if you don't fit that mold, you're not going to fit in. There's no room for you, and that inherently is not a bad thing. But when you've you've taken the program down a clear step of what it was uh, from a guy that you already said was not good enough. And you've taken that step back, and you've still are. You're, there's still no progress forward. You're taking. You're in the process of taking another step back. Not only did you go take a step back with six and six and a twenty-something ranked recruiting class last year, you're forty-something recruiting this year, and you may not even make a bowl game this year. And so that, to me, tells you that the players, while they are playing hard, not not enough people are buying into what you're selling. And so you got to change some of what you're selling, and you've got to not change standards to where you just let anything goes, but you got to take a take a look at yourself and say, why are all these kids transferring? Why am I not able to get new talent in? And why is the product on the field so below what Auburn has been used to for large part for a long time? And so I don't think there's been enough of that going on. And so as far as these individual kids, you know, every every decision is a case by case basis. But it's you know it's not unfair for a coach to say you're gonna if we need you to play you're gonna play you don't just get to sit around if you're not hurt that thing's not unfair but it's just a, a part of a bigger problem with Hart, Brian Harson since we've we've seen him here and again it's just you look for things to say okay you can defend him in certain aspects but look tell me something positive he's doing 
at the end of the day. Tell me, tell me something that other coaches should be doing, like Brian Harson's doing, and you just can't point. Can't to do that. Things at the end of the day, can't do that. That's for sure. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of your Atlanta Braves, joins us next here on Sports Call. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. What a fun day we've got here on the Plains. The Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you just want to hear something again, make sure that you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. I'm JJ Jackson with Tom Peavy and Ryan Lavoy here inside our studios, and we are so thrilled, fired up to be able to go back to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on one of our good pals, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves, Ben Ingram, Kind enough to stop by. Ben, how are things for you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Uh, very well. Right. Thank you so much for asking. When you sit there and you reflect back on this 2022 Atlanta Braves squad, what comes to mind first? I think the first thing that comes to mind is them catching the Mets. Uh, I think all summer long, that was the focus, is winning the division and trying to get back into the postseason, and they did that. And I think as it stands right now, this, the sting of, of not performing in the postseason still hurts a lot of folks when they, they think back on the campaign. But when I think about the summer, I think about that historic race and how great it was and how entertaining that all was and finally catching the Mets in the final week of the season. That really stands out to me. That was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, going back and looking at the beginning of the season, there was all that talk about Freddie Freeman uh, and – then uh, there were some uncertainties in a lot of other positions. I mean, do you feel like the Braves maybe surpassed some expectations this year from what people were looking at at the beginning of the year? Yeah, maybe so. I think that's fair. And, and, and what I what I mean by that is just focusing on the win total. I think right. when you focus in on anything beyond that, you'd say, well, it compares it, it pales in comparison to last season. And what wouldn't as they won the World Series sure. last year? But coming in, I, I think when it comes to Uh, a season and expectations. What are the two things that we look at more than anything? I think we look at where a team will finish in the division and how many wins they will come up with. So given that they won the division, I think that was an expectation. But winning 101 games, I think a lot of people would say that surpassed the expectations that they had for this team. And Ben, obviously you mentioned the the postseason part of it and, and losing to the Phillies. We've seen this particularly in the National League East the last I mean, three of the last four or five years with, with East teams maybe not amongst the, the top teams in baseball throughout the regular season, but then getting hot and, and just blasting through the postseason. I mean, what do you think goes into that? Because uh, the Braves obviously last year had a similar see, uh, season to what the Phillies have had this year. And then, of course, this year they have the, the 100-win season, have that incredible run from really May on but then are, are left empty-handed, so to speak, in the postseason. 
and that that's the million dollar question and i think it's a question that there is no answer to i think we spin our wheels when it comes to what does a team need to do in order to succeed in the postseason and if, if you tell me well the team needs to be hot going into the postseason uh, well i would tell you that this phillies bunch lost 13 of their last 20 games to finish the season and they figured it out and got it going at the right time and then you've had other scenarios, like the Braves last year got hot down the stretch. We saw the, the Nationals in 2019 win eight straight ball games going into the postseason. They go into win the World Series. Uh, I don't think that there's an exact science. I think that the more teams that we have in the postseason field, the more random it's going to become. That's simple mathematics. The more teams that are in there, the better chances of chaos. Um, you go back to what baseball was up until division play in 1969. If you won your league, you went right into the World Series. That was the playoffs. There, there wasn't a division series or a championship series. You won it, you went to the World Series, and that was that. Now we have 14 teams that go into uh, the postseason. And um, the more teams you let in, the more chaotic it's going to be. And I, I feel like it's just a matter of matchups. And when it comes to this Braves team, my people keep asking me, or are they just out of gas after the Mets series and they just have just enough to get across the finish line? I, I say no. Um, I, I, this is a, this is, it's, it's very simple to me. The Braves versus the Phillies went in there and, and the Phillies were the better team in those ball games. The Braves had it handed to them by a Philly team that was just better than they were for those four days. Uh, that wasn't the case over the over the course of the regular season, as the Braves finished 14 games ahead of the Phillies. But that doesn't matter come the postseason. Um, I remember last year, people kept saying, "Well, the Braves only won 88 games, and, and you can't expect them to do a whole lot come the postseason." That didn't mean anything come the postseason. What you were in May and June and July that has absolutely no bearing on the team's success or failure right now. And what a team is right now is the most important thing. And uh, I think that's one of the, the amazing things about baseball and this current postseason format is that it is so unpredictable and that it is so hard to uh, to really put your finger on why certain teams do better than other teams come the postseason. Uh, and furthermore, for the, for the fact that you have three National League teams who combined for 313 wins in the regular season, and they only combined for three wins in the postseason, and the Braves, Mets, and Dodgers. So it, it, is, it is fully chaotic, and I really don't think there's an answer to what it takes uh, or what you're looking for out of a team once they get in. It's just a matter of a, a matchup that day, your guys versus their pitcher. Yep. So uh, looking back through this season, I obviously – a lot of games. You called a lot of games this season. There's a lot of games in the in a regular season uh, and in the postseason. Was there was there one individual moment that really stood out to you uh, as far as broadcasting making the call? Uh, one individual play event that just really jumps out at you from this season that maybe you're really proud of the call that you did on. Sure, that's a really good question. Um... I think there are a few that, that jump out. I mean, anytime you get an opportunity to call a walk-off win in the big leagues, that's obviously fun, and we had a handful of those this year. Those are always great. Uh, I think what will stick out to me from this past season when it comes to my contributions behind the microphone, I think number one will be that series versus the Mets, uh, those three games where the team needed a sweep. I, I felt like they could win two out of three. I didn't think a sweep was possible versus those pitchers, and I think a lot of people felt that same way. And they swept the team. And having that environment, 
Um, having those three wins in your ballpark, to me, that felt like a postseason series. That was a blast, and that's something that I'll really carry with me for 2022. I felt like Game 2 of the Division Series was as great uh, of an atmosphere as I've seen in the ballpark, and that counts the World Series last year. I thought Game 2 of the Division Series, where Kyle Wright went out there and beat the Phillies, and even the series up one apiece, was uh, a really fun night. And two other things that jump out to me, I think Austin Riley's uh, walk-off base hit to beat the Diamondbacks on the final day of the month of July where he set the franchise record for RBIs by a Brave in a month uh, to pass Hank Aaron. That's a big one. And the 14-game winning streak, everything that, that went through um, – uh, that the team went through in order to get there and then win 14 straight games. That was fun every single night. I know we had a lot of fun with that on the air. And those are really memories that, that I have uh, of the 2022 season for moments that I got to call and bring to our fan base. Uh, another thing I would have to imagine that being a play-by-play guy, you really have to enjoy when you see a young kid come up and he's getting his time finally in the major leagues and he does something special. And, and I'm thinking of, you know, a guy like Vaughn Grissom when he hits his first Major League home run. Uh, I mean, that's got to be a special moment right there as a broadcaster to be able to call an event when you see a young kid really living out his life dreams right there in front of you. Yeah, it, it's a great story, isn't it? I mean, you think about seeing something like that in a Hollywood movie, and, and those are the things that, that – uh, that's the kind of drama that you love to see because you don't see it all that often. One of my favorite elements about what we do is when the unexpected happens, uh, when you have a moment that you, you, you never saw coming about, when you have a player that comes out of nowhere and has a big month or a big week or even a big season. Uh, I, I think when guys come up and make their major league debut, a lot of times that story lends to that narrative because here's a guy, no matter what the guy's background is, whether he was a first overall pick or whether he's some guy that was taken late in the draft, Here's a guy that no one knows. Here's a name that maybe you've heard, but you don't recognize the, the player's face. You've heard stories about him, maybe at spring training or maybe at, uh, during, the, during the minor league season. But there are so many unknowns when it comes to a guy making his major league debut. And, and that really lends, uh, that really leans, I should say, really hard into that unexpected nature of what our game can present. Uh, on a night-to-night basis. It's so unique with our game because we play every single night, and, and, and seasons can change. You know, 162-game season, you'd think that, that maybe one game wouldn't be that momentous for a team, but, but it can be, and, and those moments can be, and, and for reasons like you mentioned, and Vaughn Grissom's a perfect example of that, and that night at Fenway Parks uh, is a moment that I know none of us will forget, and certainly Vaughn won. That was awesome. So now that we're in this moment of reflection and talking about the year that was for the Atlanta Braves, your 2022 National League Eastern Division champions coming back in the fashion in which they did and talking about moments on the mic, Ben, it was absolutely epic for us here in the Auburn area on 1230 WAUD to hear you with the emphatic come at the Kings, you better not miss as the Braves defeat the New York Mets. The internet absolutely loved that that happened. I'd love for you to walk us through those moments as it's happening and then just your response to seeing the reaction that that had online. It is funny because you never know what is going to be wildly popular and what isn't. I mean, you, you make a call, and there are plenty of calls that, that I've made through the years that I thought were, were really good calls that maybe didn't get the traction that, that that call did. But it was just that moment coming together, and, and you just it, it, you never get those 
um, opportunities as often as you want. So when you do get them, you have to make sure that you nail them. And when it comes to a game ending, you just want to put the perfect narration on what that game means, what that win means, what it what it means for your ball club. And um, the, the way that that took off, man, I, once it came out of my mouth, I, I thought, okay, well, I really feel like I punctuated this the way that it deserved to be because you always want to match with your words and your inflection what just happened on the field. And you know when you do that. I mean, when you, when you nail one and you know that it, it matches what happened on the field, that people are going to remember that. And I think that's the most important thing. You want to make calls that match moments that people remember. Uh, when, when people think back on winning the World Series or a, a, a particular uh, Dan Beef Swanson play or Freddie Freeman or Austin Riley or whatever it may be, it, it's always the ultimate compliment when they also remember your side of that moment, your your description of that moment, your words. And, and I think that's our challenge as broadcasters is to put the right words together that make it memorable. I, I can't think of a, of a grander compliment than that than for that to be memorable to fans, for, for them to see that moment and think of the words that I attach to that <laughs> moment, and they go in unison together. Because what those guys do down there on the field is, is far more important than anything we do. Uh, it's far more challenging than anything we do. So just to, to be part of the memory for a fan is, is extremely meaningful to me and to Joe and any of us who do that. And um, getting to, to punctuate that moment with my words and have people reflect on that and, and, and put the two together and remember them as one memory is, is certainly um, at, at the top of the mountain for me. Ben, it was awesome. It, it was such an amazing moment, and we're certainly going to be saying that amongst ourselves for, for many, many years to come. A moment like that was just absolutely epic. And you just hope for more moments like that. I mean, and that's the that's the great thing about where this team has been for the last five years is they've given us some really good moments. And, and having so many of the players under contract for years to come, you just hope that there are more moments like that and better moments to come over the next several seasons. Have you said Dansby Swanson's name associated with the Braves uniform for the final time, or, or do you think that uh, he'll be back playing at Truist Park for the Braves next season? Well, that's a great question. I think if you had asked me the same thing last year about Freddie Freeman, I would have said I'm not done seeing Freddie Freeman in the Braves uniform. <laughs> and then, then the business side of things did what it does. Right. And it's so unpredictable. Um, there's just no way to know. I think once a player enters the realm of free agency, it's extremely unpredictable. I know that Dansby wants to be here. Um, whether it be in passing uh, or on the airplane or in, wherever, in the clubhouse, conversations off the record, that, that is the attitude that he has conveyed to me and to others who do what I do. He's told us all he wants to be a Brave. Now, that, that doesn't mean that he's, he's guaranteed to be a Brave. Wanting to be a Brave for the rest of your career and that actually happening are two different things. Dansby also knows that he's, he's, what, 29 years old, I believe he is, this is his last opportunity at a big, big contract. This is an opportunity at generational wealth. And not to say that it's all about the money, but that, that's a humongous part of this. Sure. It, he has a responsibility to himself, to his family, to his future wife, to his future kids, uh, to, to set them up and, and make sure that they are in a really good spot for a long time. He has the opportunity to do that. Uh, with this contract. So whether that's with the Braves or whether that's elsewhere, I know that, that that's a responsibility that he'd like to fulfill. 
Um, there's also the, the element of the team and, and what they're willing to offer. And I know that they have made strong offers to Dansby. And just because a contract hasn't been signed yet doesn't mean that those offers have been turned down and rejected. I think that he has a lot on his plate and a lot to consider. And he's trying to you know figure it all out and make sure he makes the best decision for him. I, I feel like the team wants him here, and I feel like he wants to be here. But, again, I said the same thing about Freddie Freeman last year, and he ended up a Dodger. So I think we just uh, stand on the sidelines, and we wait, and we hope, and that's really the most we can do when it comes to Dansby Swanson and his future in the big leagues. That's what we're good at. We'll, we'll stand and watch and see how all this plays out and that sort of thing. Ben, what do these next few months look like for you now that we're exiting baseball season? What's the life of Ben Ingram going to look like over the next few months? Well, I, I say the same thing every time when people ask me because, number one, everyone says, so what do you do in the off season?" My answer is I have a life. I get to say yes to all the things that I have to say no to for the last seven months. So um, I'll get a chance to go back home to Mississippi for Thanksgiving and Christmas, things like that. Um, I, I'll you know, travel with my girlfriend. In fact, we're going to be making a couple of trips, one this weekend and one again in December. And uh, I'll try to spend as much time with my friends as I can and remember uh, – what it's like to have friends. So that'll be uh, something that I look forward to. So it's a good time of year, and the next thing you know, you'll be wrapping up for spring training here in a few months. Tell us what the Egg Bowl is like as a Mississippi native, because we have so much focus on the Iron Bowl, and we've talked about your connections to the university with the girlfriend in the past, but uh, as we are a month or so away from the Egg Bowl and the Mississippi native that you are, talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, I think that, that, that fans of Auburn and Alabama would see lots of similarities with, with Ole Miss and Mississippi State. You know, if you live in the state of Mississippi, similar if you live in the state of Alabama, if you lose that game, it is not fun. I mean, that, that's a year where it sticks with you. It's not just, okay, you lost the game and, and you're over it a week later. It's not fun to live in that state and, and face your friends because we all have friends of the opposite fan base. And no um, doubt. that is a, a talking point all year. And, you know, I have lots of family. My, everybody in my family, with the exception of me, went to Mississippi State. Um, so when it comes to Thanksgiving, we have lunch and then we kind of all go our separate ways and. Uh, maybe everybody's ready to talk to everybody by Sunday uh, for for, <laughs> for, for, uh, for lunch after church. So it's not fun to lose that game. When you win that game, it is so much fun. It's so gratifying. And even if you have a disappointing season, if you can win that game, at least you finish on a high note. Um, but I, I love rivalries. And uh, I, it's one of my favorite things is that is that ball game every single year because of what it means and uh, how much people – uh, put into it and how passionate they are about it. And I know that, that Auburn and Bama fans feel the exact same way. And uh, while you might despise that other fan base and you hate losing to them, I don't think any of us would ever trade away what that rivalry is and, and what that experience is like because it's as good as it gets in college football. Very well said. Very well said. Ben, thank you as always for your visits throughout the baseball season. Always a pleasure catching up. Glad that we're a part of the Braves Radio Network down here in Auburn and weekly chats with you and Kevin McAlpin uh, here on the program. Thank you again for doing this. And uh, like you said, next baseball season will be here before we know it. And we, uh, we can't wait to chat with you then. All right. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me today. All right. That's our good pal Ben Ingram joining us there on Sports Call. A lot of fun to talk with him about just baseball in general, uh, the offseason ahead for the Atlanta Braves. And, uh, yeah, we could talk to that guy for hours. He's really fun to talk to, gentlemen. Yeah, and look, when you win 100 games, there's a lot of fun moments to (laughs) talk about throughout the year. And I think everyone gets so hung up on when you don't win the whole thing, right? I mean, and. That's just sports in general now. Is it's either you won or you lost, 
And if you didn't win the championship, it's a failure for a lot of people. And you can't lose sight of the fact that there's other ways to do good things. There's other there's other things to achieve. And the Braves winning fifth straight division, winning a hundred games, having maybe their best regular season team they've had during this whole whole run. Look, I know it's not the whole shebang, but it's still something to celebrate and it's still something to be proud of that this team, again, 30, 40, 50 games in the season, is kind of hanging out, hung over a little bit from the World Series ring, and then they played some of the best baseball you could play possible for the last 100 games of the year. You, you could, you're talking about you know winning it all. You could be the Mets. They've had to watch everybody in their division win the series since the last time they won one. Yeah, in this uh, in the last 20 <laughs> years, yeah. I was looking at that today, actually. There was a graphic that I think 15 different teams have won a World Series since the turn of the century. Right. Which is pretty, pretty, it's pretty good. good size. Yeah. For, you know, 21 years or so of champions. Uh, but, yeah, Marlins, Phillies, Braves, and Nationals have all, all part of that. Have all won a series. The Mets have like not. 87? Yeah, they've got yeah. some work to yeah. do. They've got some work to do Poor for Mets. sure. Poor Mets. Man. That's why I, <laughs> when he said, come at the Kings, you better not miss. You better not come, miss. At the Kings. Yeah. come at the Kings, you better not miss. What That's so good. Woo! What a line indeed. That was so good. Good stuff for Ben Ingram. Uh, all right, you guys don't have the pleasure of kind of spelling out an answer as Ben Ingram so eloquently did, but as the hour comes to a close, rapid fire, is Dansby Swanson wearing a Braves uniform next season? No. Yes. I'm going to say yes. I think no. they get it done. I say no. Two no's and two yes's. Uh, now, I want, I want him to be in a Braves uniform, but I don't think it's The money's going to talk. Yeah, money, uh, money's going to talk. I hope not. All right, that does it. It brings us to the end of the first hour. James from Montgomery. James, you are up next. Stick with us. Sports Call continues in a moment. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson with Tom Peavy, Drew Bahena, and Ryan Lavoy. We're having a whole lot of fun on today's show, taking your phone calls, and we're going to let this conversation keep on rolling as uh, we're going to chat with James from Montgomery in just a moment. But right now on the program, we've got Anthony from Auburn. Anthony has called into Sports Call today. Hello, Anthony. Hey, guys. How you guys doing? I'm great. How are you today, sir? I'm doing good. You know, I just saw the headlines here. 
you know, harsh and telling players that, well, we can't let you rest or we gonna have to you gonna have to play or quit. But you know, these players are trying to navigate their futures just like anybody else. I mean, you know, they it's big business now. It's the football's not like it used to be. So I can't blame these guys for saying, look, I gotta protect myself, my best interest. And he gonna tell players that uh that they can't what they can and can't do. What kind of what are you guys? What's your take on that? So with that whole situation right there. That's something that happens. Every every coach does that. If you're if you're healthy enough to play, and you're a part of the team, then you're going to be expected to play. You're not just going to red shirt because you want a red shirt. And if that's what you want to do, then you're not going to be a part of the team. But that's not something that Brian Harson just came up with his own, on his own. Nick Saban does that. Kirby Smart does that. Any any coach in there worth their salt's going to tell players like, no, I mean if, if you're not going to just red shirt because you want a red shirt. If you have an injury and need a red shirt, then that's fine. If we decide to red shirt you because we need you to uh, we need you to do, to develop more and, and that, but if you're going to be a part of the team and expected to play and you're healthy, then you play or you don't be a part of the team. Now, so the coach he can have his little choice there. So, well, uh, we don't really need him this year even though he could contribute and, and do this or that, but we'll save him for later on because I might not have this or that on the roster next year, so I'm looking out for myself, but he can't, But the player can't look out for himself, but the coach can. That's what you're saying? Well, I mean, with, with, <laughs> huh? no, well, no, what I'm saying, though, it, with a player when it comes to redshirting, a lot of times coaches are going to redshirt a player because they may, they may not be ready for what is happening right now, and they need a year off to develop with the practice team and just develop and be ready to go. You may also have a kid that comes in. Uh, this happens all the time with Alabama, especially at linebacker. You, you you recruit a kid in, and he comes in, and he's got five superstar linebackers in front of him. Well, so as a coach, you're not going to burn a whole year of his eligibility when you can have him for for the future. Yeah, and, and, that's the old, and look out for yourself. But uh, so look here. Yeah, but I, when, yeah, yeah, hold on, hold on. Let's let's not go this far. Let's stop right here. Now you can look out for the future. Say, so, well, since I'm already stocked this position, I ain't got to have him right now. Even though he could go out there and be all SEC this year, but we'll save him for later. So, in other words, the coach can look out for himself, but the player can't look out for himself. Now, you know, dang, I, I don't quite agree with that because we're in a new era of football now. You know what I'm saying? Things ain't like it used to be. But, uh, but no, but, but hang on. Uh, Here, here's the thing, though: the player can look after themselves, and by that I mean go somewhere else. <laughs> Don't be a part of the team. If you're if you're healthy, if you're healthy, you're you're able to play. You need to be a part of this team to help them out, and you're just going to sit there and go, you know what? I just don't want to play this year. I'm just going to sit out. Well, no, then you don't need to be a part of the team. Well, they ain't coaching this year, and they ain't coaching on last year. So, so I'm like, this turkey need to be gone. And y'all know he need to be gone. This man ain't going to win nothing over here. Yeah, well, I, mean, gonna, I think I everybody understands that. I think everybody right now understands that things are not going well and it doesn't look like they're getting any better. And so that's that, that'll happen. But, you know, but to the point that you were talking about with the players and making their own decisions, yeah, they can. They, they can decide to go somewhere else. But well, if, they wanna be, if they want to be a part of that team and they are healthy – then they're going to be expected to be a part of the team. Well, they get a chance to go somewhere else. They hit the portal when sure. the time comes around. We, you know what? We see Bo Nix, what he's doing out in Oregon. You know what? If he messing around and win a Heisman Trophy, how that going to make Auburn University look? This man was over here, got heavily, heavily criticized, couldn't win enough games to do nothing, then get out there and possibly may get in that uh, championship game they got or whatever they got going on. 
possibly could win the Heisman. I mean, you know, that's going to look real nice for Bo Nix winning the Heisman Trophy, and people at Auburn are going to be more and more upset because they ain't winning nothing. Anthony, I'd like for you to be honest for us, because if we went back and checked the tapes, I think there were moments in the past few seasons that you were calling for T.J. Finley to be under center as opposed to Bo Nix. Well, you know, I, I wanted the guy to have a fair opportunity to get a chance to see what he could do. But now, but now Bo Nix could be a Heisman uh, Trophy winner, and now... Yeah, interesting. But uh, look here, but we we clearly know that Finley ain't no football player at quarterback. Now he might play tight end if they teach him how to block, but uh, he clearly ain't no quarterback. We didn't see that. He didn't show he's clearly not. Period. Every whole world has seen it. He just not. Period. Yeah. Now I, I want the guy to have a fair shot. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Well, I, I, I cheered him on, but but he didn't prove to me and every whole world that he ain't. He just ain't it. Well, I, he I might can, well find him something else to do. I I can tell you this with Bo Nix. There, there were some, there were some times that he had some bad games, and there were some people criticizing him. I think the people that were overly criticizing Bo Nix don't understand football, and they just think the quarterback can just go out there and just perform. He had no offensive line; he had hardly any wide receivers. And now, and now, and now, you see what he's able to do when he has a good offensive line, when he has some weapons to throw it to, when he, when he's in a system that does not handcuff him. Now you know uh, then then I, I then he's Bo Nix, so it's not so much I, Bo Nix's problem as it was Auburn's. I mean to cut you off, but we saw Bo Nix have his moments at times, and we knew the talent was there. But they just like you said, no offensive line, no receivers, and no coaching. And they still ain't got no offensive line. They still ain't got no coaching. They still ain't got no wide receivers. That whole pro, you know what? I don't even know why they continue to hold on to this guy. I, I let him go. I really would. I let him go right now. Why? And get him and get him on out the way because and. Uh, and take a look at things because you got recruiting coming up. You got early signing date coming up in two months. Yeah, less than less than two months or whatever it is. Well, and, the, uh, the, the plan is they want to try to get an athletic director in there full time first instead of making an interim athletic director make that decision. Well, Go ahead and get the athletic director hired, and well, then and then going? see where that goes. Uh, how's that How's that search going for as you know? I, I I there's two names that I keep hearing, um, and uh, I think mo- I think. Uh, is Hartwell is the uh, AD at Utah State. Uh, he has a lot of connections with Auburn through his family, and uh, he is from Alabama. He's from the uh, Mobile area, formerly AD at Troy. Uh, he's been doing some good things out there. And then uh, Rich the, McGlynn. Well, Rich McGlynn. You're saying names outside of those two. Yeah, uh, but uh, the uh, New Mexico uh, athletic director, his name has been popped up in a bunch. But uh, What? Well, you got anybody that's been an athletic director in the Southeast Conference, whether it's been a deputy uh, athletic director or, 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 or the head man or whatnot, or anybody that might have left the Southeast Conference, it might be somewhere else. Might They've be been really back. quiet about the AD yeah. search. Really quiet. Well, would it be a woman this time? I mean, you know, if I'm not mistaken, Missouri went ahead and punched that ticket and, and gave a, a female uh, the opportunity to come on in and run the athletic department. Uh, it could be. Well, well, I'm going to be going that same direction. I don't see no reason why they can't. I don't see that either. I'm, I'm very thrilled that they uh, they hired a black man last time for the job. And uh, if they want to hire a woman this time and she's the best candidate available, make sure you go do that. That'd be great. I mean, it would be good to go ahead and, uh, and push that wall down and, and bring somebody in. But you know what? Uh, you know, you got that big old board of trustees and you got these people donating all this money and stuff, and they want to call all the shots and then mess everything up. But there is a coach out there somewhere that probably could take this job. I mean, I, I called last week, J.J., I think you were out doing uh, – My brother was something. getting married. Okay, okay. Well, well congratulations to him. Thank you so much. Yeah, I was the best uh, man. Yeah, the best brother is what I say. Well, maybe next time you'll be up there punching that ticket. In. That's what I'm trying, man. I'm, I'm trying to find the winning ticket. <laughs> what everybody keeps saying. 
I gotta I gotta roll with you, Anthony. I think you can introduce me to all the women. Well, that'd be something. <laughs> that would you know, be something, uh, wouldn't it? Yeah, you know, uh, I called in. Uh, you were out, like I said. And, yes, sir. Uh, I, I, you know, I brought up Rodney Garner, which would probably be a pat die hire that I mentioned last week. That, that, that right now, that could be that could be the best hire for all of them. Yeah, it really could. If you look at that guy's resume, and like I said, he bleed that orange and blue, and you know, uh, and it'd be a black head coach. I'd be uh, I'd be all for that. You know, I think he could be the man, maybe the man, and nobody's even thinking about. It. Yeah, I, mean, that, that's I, I did listen at. to the podcast when you brought his name up, and you're right that no one really had been saying his name before. But I think he's absolutely yeah. worthy of consideration. And we're gonna see how Tennessee ends this thing up. It could possibly win all that championship gold, and he get that big old another ring on his finger because I think he got one on his finger when he was with uh, Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken, back in '97. Hallelujah, uh, land. So we'll see. Uh, what, what rolls out, but uh, I'd definitely be taking a look that direction. With well, guys, I appreciate you going to work today. To yeah, I gotta go make it. I gotta go make it happen. So I'll talk to y'all. All right, we'll see you, Anthony. That's our pal Anthony from Auburn joining us on the program. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four zero one or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. James from Montgomery. There he is, our good pal James from Montgomery has called into Sports Call today. Hello, James. Hello, and War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, about the uh, transfer portal for all these uh, college football players that are leaving Auburn. Yes, sir. I mean, they should they should stay at Auburn for another for another season, but with Brian Harson, he has to go. I, I just I'm just going to throw it out there on the table. You think he's got to go? He has to go. He's not doing, you know, he's not doing a really good job at Auburn when he came during the. During the A-Day game season, you know, during the spring uh, football practice uh, scrimmage games, he was talking about all of these, all of these different um, strings that he was going to be pulling. He was going to make Auburn go to the national championship. He was going to, you know, go to some bowl games. I mean, what is there for us to do now with these five games that we have left in our schedule? Try to go well, win them. We, I mean, we have to do something. We have to win them or just just push all the chips on the table and see where it lands. That's, that's it. Because I, I think Brian Harson, he's not a good coach. He doesn't sound like a good coach. He's, I mean, he should stay, he should have stayed in Boise. He should have stayed up there with his team. And that team now, they're not winning so many games without him. I mean, when he was coaching them, he was win- they were winning games with him, but without him, they're losing a lot of games left and right. They're losing a lot of games between now and bowl uh, selection, which is coming up uh, in November. You don't think Boise State's doing too well this season? No. If you look at their records, they have lost a couple of games. They've won a couple of games on the top of their list, and they're losing a couple of games right now. So they got a couple of games. Yeah. They got one game uh, this weekend. So I don't know if they're going to win it or if they're going to lose it. I don't know. I think it'll be a really good uh, thing for Auburn to actually pick Lane Kiffin or Deion Sanders or somebody else. Yeah. You know, for for the SEC. Uh, you know, coaching spot at Auburn as yeah. well. Just to let you know, Boise State is in first place in their conference. They haven't lost a game yet in their conference. Yeah, well, they haven't lost one yet, but I think they're going to lose one this weekend as well. Okay, Colorado State is going to beat them. 
Yes, I, I think Colorado State, they're going to beat them. Uh, they got a good team. They got a good quarterback. They got a good wide receiver, tight end, defensive end. Uh, I, I, everything on that Colorado team is 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 like spot on. It, it's really it's a really good team as well for, for Colorado to actually go up there to Boise, Idaho and beat them out as well. So that's going to be a tough a tough win um, for Colorado to actually go up there and um, beat them as well. So, so if uh, if Auburn got rid of Brian Harson, who would you like to be the uh, next head coach here? Um, I would probably say the next head coach that I would like to see come to Auburn would be Ed Aldron, the former head coach of LSU. Why do you say that? Go Tigers. <laughs> Well, because of his of his um, of his coaching um, abilities that he had with LSU as well, and then plus he took LSU to a couple of bowl games while he was there, and I think that would be a good fit for Auburn to see Ed Aldron uh, come to Auburn as well. Go Tigers! <laughs> that was Ed Orgeron. We heard him say, "Go Tigers!" Listen, listen, James. Go Tigers! Could you get used to him saying that? Yes, I actually did. Except I this always, time when he says go Tigers, he'd be referring to the Auburn Tigers and not the LSU Tigers. Go Tigers! Yes, yes as well, because when you when you actually refer um, any coach that comes to Auburn, they have to know the traditions that we had over time. You know, we have so many, we had so many great coaches over the years that you know, that walked through our hollow halls of Jordan-Hare Stadium from Pat Dye to Ralph Shook Jordan to many other coaches that were actually on that sideline in in Jordan-Hare Stadium and in Cliff-Hare Stadium as well before it was called Jordan-Hare Stadium. And we had so many great uh, players over the years that that played on that um on that historic field, you know, from Bo Jackson to Cadillac Williams to uh, Trey Mason and uh, Tico Spike and Trayvon Reed and uh, Deshaun Davis, Deshaun Davis, Smoke Monday. The list goes on and on because when you look at those guys that played through that through that field and you're looking at these new guys that are stepping in and when they're wearing that AU helmet or that helmet and they put it on, they're looking through the visor of so many of 150 years of college football tradition that's been there at that stadium for years. What about when Tommy Tuberville was the coach for Auburn? Actually, uh, Tommy Tuberville and um, when he was there, you know, in 2000 and what, seven, 2008, that was the year that we won so many, so many games. I, I remember those games under Tumber, under Coach Tuberville's, um, you know, job there at Auburn and seeing so many uh, great people on the sideline. And one of my, one of my most uh, people that I actually knew, that I actually know was uh, Trooper Taylor. You know, for the wide receivers uh, coordinator job, Trooper, he was a really good guy. He, uh, you know, with his uh, way of, of getting the wide receivers ready for a game. I mean, hey, if if 
things might open up for another head coach. They need somebody that's going to coach really good and bring Auburn another national championship to, to the city of Auburn as well. Yeah, Trooper Taylor is coaching at Duke now. He's a coach at Duke and doing a good job. Yeah, he is. He's really doing a good job with Duke. And, um, you know, I actually met uh, Trooper Taylor years ago when no I way. became an Auburn Yes, when I became an Auburn fan. True story. Tell us the story. Well, actually, the story goes like this. I was actually... Once upon a time. Yeah, once upon a time, I was actually at my first Auburn football game. And I actually knew some of the wide receivers, and I wanted to, you know, like, you know, get to know the, the backstory of Trooper Taylor. And I actually walked up to him, and I said, Trooper... I said, you know, I'm a new Auburn fan, and I want to I want to know what does it take to be an Auburn fan. And he said, well, it takes a lot of dedication and heart and hard work. And I said, okay, I'll do that. And I actually came to my I went to my first Auburn football game when we played against Alabama. This was during the Iron Bowl, and I had everything. I had the I had my my uh, Auburn uh, cap turned backwards just like him and I was just you know saying a lot of different things you know getting the crowd hyped up and and I was just in so much um and so much love and dedication for my team it actually stuck with me to this day as well that's outstanding that's outstanding story uh, speaking of wide receivers we're seeing breaking news James uh, Tavares Dawson Jr. has entered the transfer portal for the Auburn Tigers. Another player is leaving the program. Yes, I actually did see that. And with... Uh, Tarvaris Dawson. With uh, Dawson actually leaving us, I don't know who's going to step up now uh, for that wide receiver spot. They have to work very hard to get that spot. And I know it's open to a lot of candidates in the wide receiver's position because that's... that's I mean, the wide... The wide receiver's position is not an easy position in, in college football. You have to have a lot of uh, dedication and hard work to actually play in that position as well. So I don't know who's going to come uh, through the transfer portal. I mean, you know, the transfer portal for Auburn is wide open now. So we might get somebody like from Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Notre Dame, Penn State, you see, um, uh, uh, Florida, Florida State, uh, San Jose State. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of great court. Uh, there's a lot of great cornerbacks. Yeah. There are some and, transfers uh, that Auburn could go out and get. Some players are transferring away from the program, but maybe they can go get some more for themselves. So yeah, so I mean, that wide receiver spot is it, hard to to fill that kind of spot as well no doubt about that well james go ahead and give us your final thoughts for today and then we got to go well actually i do have my final thoughts i'm just gonna see um you know i'm gonna see how how the uh, philadelphia phillies are gonna do on friday as well and it's it's something as well awesome and then you've got a halloween joke for us tomorrow and maybe we'll talk about halloween candy as well okay oh yes Yes, I actually do have that for you all tomorrow. Awesome. Talk to you then, buddy. War Eagle. All right. War Eagle. That's James from Montgomery.
joining us on the program. 334-887-3401. Uh, news across. Travaris Dawson Jr. entering the transfer portal, posting on his social media feeds. First, I want to say thank you, God, for even letting me do something nobody in my family did. I want to thank Coach Ike for believing in me and always fighting for me. He knows everything I've been going through, and I love him for being there for me. I appreciate Harson and Auburn for giving me an opportunity to even play in Jordan-Hare Stadium. I want to thank my teammates for being there for me. Always kept a smile on my face when I'm with them. I had fun playing with you guys. I had fun in the locker rooms, and we always made sure we check on each other outside of football, and that's what I love the most. That's a real family. I just wish things could have been a little bit different on the football field. It hurts to leave, but I really do thank you guys. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. So, with that being said, I'll be entering the transfer portal with three of my eligibility years. That's from Travaris Dawson Jr. He, unlike Landon King, did talk about current coaches, did mention Ike Hilliard, who is the current wide receiver coach for the Auburn Tigers, and also mentioned Brian Harson. But... That's not great, gentlemen. Not great whatsoever, uh, the, the state that we found this Auburn football program in. That's for sure. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 Joining us next on the program, we've got... Terry from Auburn. Terry has called into Sports Call. Hello, Terry. Good afternoon, guys. How are y'all today? Quite well. How are you, sir? I'm fantastic. Did I hear James correct that he thought Ed, or- Ed Orgeron would make a good coach? He, he did throw out Ed Orgeron, okay. yes. I, I, um, boy, no, I just won't comment there. That, yeah. That's 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 the only thing he would just do. See us for cookie for me one time. Go Tigers! <laughs> yeah. There's something wrong with the guy. Looks like Shrek. Sound like the Cookie Monster. I'm sorry, it just is. Um, uh, although I will say this, uh, Gene Shizik would not have the luxury of being the worst coach in Auburn history anymore. Yeah. So true. Edo know. and Gene Chizik do have the uh, the national championship rings on their fingers as head coaches, but uh, other than that. I haven't done a great job uh, at other spots. And you know what argument to that always is, JJ? Tell me. If you're gonna if you're gonna use that, then Trent Dilfer and 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 some guys, Brad Johnson have Super Bowl rings, and Dan Marino doesn't. Correct. Yeah, you could always so. make those arguments, no doubt. And those yeah. coaches had Cam Newton and Joe Burrow, and we look at those two guys as having the greatest seasons at the quarterback position in the history of college football. So, yes, obviously, I'm, I'm being a little sarcastic mentioning their national championship right. rings. It just blows my mind what's allowed to go on. I, guys down there in, in here in Auburn right now. I mean, you say down there, down here, right in here in Auburn right now. Um, it's it's lonely to be right. And I, I told everybody from day one that Brian Harsham was going to be a disaster. Uh, he just he just he he's been out there on the West Coast and and living a different life. And it's just different down here. I never said that they don't play defense on the West Coast. I just say they don't play it as good as they do in the South. Um, every time, every time an SEC team matches up with a Big Twelve team, or, or, or excuse me, a Pac Twelve team, or somebody on the West Coast, they dominate. Because why? The line of scrimmage on the offensive and defensive line, they are just superior. And it just blows my mind that that you know that that this was allowed to continue. That that this was an Allen Green hire, hundred percent. We all know that. So it just blows my mind that this guy was never going to be successful. Uh, he tried to convince us. He tried to convince everybody. He didn't convince me. He tried to convince everybody that T.J. Finley was the answer. So he ran off your best receiver and your starting quarterback last year to give T.J. Finley a chance. Does anybody find that odd but me? No, I, I definitely do. I mean, yeah, you uh, T.J. Finley was not the answer. You were uh, more so in, in Robbie Ashford's favor right out of the gates. Mm-hmm. I love the uh, explosive plays that you can get out of a player like Robbie Ashford, and it's been pretty clear that T.J. Finley's not the answer at quarterback. Robbie Ashford's better simply because the ceiling is higher. Yes. I mean, uh, the only T.J. Finley's going to be successful is to transfer down a level. 
I mean, guys, he's 6'7", 240 pounds, and he was a three-star. Right. So, I mean, okay, regardless of what you think, he was a three-star. That, that doesn't, doesn't say a whole lot. And I am just I'm just boggles the mind that people, you know, I, but what really boggles my mind more than anything is these people that call up and say, well, if Brian Horson wins out, he's not winning out. I don't think he's going to win another game. Uh, and the sooner they can get rid of him, the sooner they will quit from ruining the program, even for the, even if they have a football team next year, if it's not a team of walk-ons, and hopefully some portal guys, period. You know I mean? Yeah, i got to go but get some work done in the portal for sure. Here's the question I want to ask you all while I rant. <laughs> um, of the, can Auburn afford to make a hire at head coach with no coaching experience? The reason I say that because you've got guys like Sanders, Free, Stoops, you know, Kiffin's been mentioned, and yet I hear the name Jeff Grimes. And, and I, I just don't understand it because the guy's never been a head coach. Can Auburn afford to make that higher? Because it's a win now. they got to win now. They, it's got to be the overall direction. It's not going to say, you know, two years has got Auburn heading in the right direction. The, the fans aren't going to put up with that. Well, are, are you referring to um, Harson potentially getting fired in the middle of the season or in the Well, he's not going to be the coach there next year. Guys, we all know that. Yeah, yes. But um, I, I don't think making a move now if you're looking at anyone Grimes Kiffin whoever is going to do anything for the current situation if if Auburn Har- or if excuse me if Brian Harson were to leave tomorrow and mm-hmm. we'd I, only be so lucky yeah but i mean i don't think that would bode well per se for the players that are on the fringe of transferring it's it's harder to stay if you have an interim head coach interim ad and really a lot of questions about the program, which there are still under Harson, but as of now, they're still playing under him. They're Okay, but to answer my question, can, can Auburn afford to make that hire, a guy with no head coaching experience after some of the names that's been mentioned and talked about? It'd be risky, not... I think. You, no, you, no, you no, want to make it right, and that was kind of the problem that we talked about when, uh, when we had the Malzahn situation going on, and people are trying right. to argue whether or not because you just don't want to be the University of Tennessee, and it appears as though those that they've hit on Josh Heupel, but they went through a lot of head coaches until they were able to get to the spot that they wanted to be at. My biggest fear with, with, with Grimes would be in the press conference, he's going to say, we're going to run the ball, stop the run, be, play great defense, and be sound in the kicking game. Coach that speak. just doesn't yeah. work nowadays, guys. It just doesn't work anymore. I'm sorry it doesn't. Just like you couldn't run the wishbone now and win. win. Yeah. Okay, so that's what scares me the most. I'm not saying he won't be a successful head coach, but can Auburn afford to take that chance on a guy who's never been a head coach? It's a fair question to ask. It's a fair question to ask, and they've got to take a chance one way or another on a, a head coach because they're going to need right. one if they do decide to move on from that's, Coach Harson. That's why I like Deion Sanders because at least he can go out and get talent and bring it in. No doubt. Terry, good to take hear from guys. you today. All right, that's uh, Terry from Auburn joining us on the program. Just had Ed with us a moment ago. Ed, if you would like to call back in and say hello, you are more than welcome to. But for now, let's take a break. Let's pay some bills. We'll be back with more Sports Call right after this. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. 
Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, I'm JJ Jackson with Tom Peavy, Drew Bahena, and Ryan LaVoy inside our studios. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender, 334-887-3401. Back to the phone lines we go, gentlemen. And joining us now on the program, we've got... Ed from Auburn. Ed has called into Sports Call. Hello there, Ed. Hey, JJ. Having a great day. How are you, sir? Hey, man, it's a beautiful day. Uh, I, I just want. I mean, I've, I've never heard somebody that can talk so long and say so little with Perry. He says the same thing over and over. And 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 listen, players didn't start. Uh, they didn't start leaving this year. They started leaving last year. And and as far as what harm it could do to Auburn, look at the harm it's doing. There is no. I'm, not, yeah, I'm just telling you, there is no benefit that Auburn didn't, that Auburn kept Harson at all for this year. And it, it's, you cannot move forward when your program's going backwards. I, 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 why nobody, and, and some people, they, they might say, well, you know, uh, the people up, the powers that be or whatever, I, you know, it makes I wish somebody could tell me uh, that we've lost coaches, we've lost players, we've lost national recognition under Brian Harson. We've lost respect under Brian Harson. We've become a laughing stock under Brian Harson. Not going to argue you know, that, yeah. If, if, if you look at the, if, at the stats, SEC and national, Auburn is near the last with Brian Harson and his buddies from Boise. They are near the last in almost every important statistic, nets or nets, last or nets to last, and and that's where that's where the thinking of of, of people that want to just uh, listen to the it makes no sense to me. Tell tell me what y'all think. Of, what is the benefit to Auburn for keeping Harson? There is no benefit. You you mean from from year one to year two or or going forward? I mean from year one to year two, and I mean every day since. Well, I mean from year one to year two, you're fighting perception of you know you're not given any chance at all to to succeed. I mean it was it, as bad as it's been in year two. Year one was was a six and six team that that started six and two and then got its quarterback injured in game nine or game ten. And while the recruiting was not great, uh, one if other coaches see you've only given a guy one year, uh, whether that was a, a, a bad year or not, you only give a coach one year, you, some interest in the job is going to be much lower from the get-go. So I think it's more about trying to give an opportunity. I mean, I, obviously the, the board of, of trustees and the the, the – the you know all the boosters they they did not like Harson from the get go and they saw what was going on and, and they're ultimately going to be right but uh, I, I still don't think for perception wise you you could you could fire someone after one year w- without cause. Hold on, let me just respond to that real quickly. The man lost 
19 players that first year. Okay, he lost he lost his coordinator. He was running people off left and right, and worse than that, the most important catchphrase or you know is player acquisition, and he stuck at it. So why do you bring about? Why are you worried about? Perception when the perception is that you are okay with being last in the SEC and everything. Explain that. I mean, I don't, I again, I don't think that you can undervalue that part of it where what, what guy is going to, to say after one year, you know what, if you're in the coaching profession, I know that guy got canned in one year for being kind of bad. But oh, they won't do that to me if I have a rough start. He but, wasn't kind of bad, buddy. He was very bad. He was very bad, and he was not doing anything to forward Auburn. Well, okay, I'm just, I'm just telling you, I, I don't see any benefit for for Auburn, and I appreciate your view, and and I do understand what you're saying, the perception. But it comes to time, you know. You just got to, I, I don't know, it, it, you got to. Cut back. You've got to be realistic about things, and, and you're, and we're talking about people who are okay to hire the front. Why are we assuming that these guys, the money guys, why are we assuming now that they've got real good sense about what they're doing? I don't think they have a clue. But anyway, Oregon guys, love you. <laughs> love you too. Thanks for the call. That's uh, Ed from Auburn joining us on the radio program right there. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 Time to pay more bills. Let's take another break. We wrap up this hour of the show right after this here on Sports Call. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson with Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Drew Bahena here inside our studios. Sports Call can now be heard on Amazon Alexa devices. Open the Alexa app on your iPhone or Android and tap the menu icon at the top left. Tap skills and games in the menu and search for Sports Call Auburn. Select the skill, then tap enable to use and you're done. All you have to do now is say, hey Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn and you're listening to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. In the final hour, we've got our hump day update. Make sure, guys, we remember to celebrate our birthdays in sports. Presented by Max Credit Union. We've got a TV guide. We've got a Wednesday chat with Joe Bartle from Rotor. we got a lot to do here uh, moving forward on the program today. But uh, news continues to move with this Auburn football program. A lot of changes. Tavares Dawson becomes the fourth player removed from the roster, leaving the team since the start of the season. And as Nathan King of Auburn Undercover pointed out on Twitter moments ago, Four players is more than the wins that Auburn has on the season Oof. this year, which is three. Which uh, you go back to the open of today's show. Uh, yeah, you just can't. I can't defend that action taking place. I still wide view here see a very big problem at hand, 
in terms of the volumes of transfers that we're seeing. We just mentioned after year one, 19 players leaving the Auburn football program. Alabama had 20 transfers. Georgia had 17. I want to remind people that every school sees problems of transfers, but I'm glad that you corrected it a little bit earlier, Ryan, that we're seeing a lot in the middle of the season and that's where problems uh, are detected, and that's where real issues arise. Yeah, yeah. the timing of it now, this year, is what is making it much more problematic, much more, I think, indicative of how the players feel about him. You know, you. I mean, everyone can look back in hindsight and, and tout all the, these things and say, oh, well, you know, we should have seen this coming based off of that. But at the time, you know, going back to the previous call, like at the time, there were obviously some some bad things that went on last year. That's not enough to fire a guy after one year. Yeah. I'm sorry. What yeah. happened last year is not. Now, if that's year three, if that's year four, or if it accelerates the way it has in year two, then sure. A- anybody can go back with 2020 vision. I would love for Auburn to have had the hindsight to you know hire the make the correct hire not hire brian harson hire what turns out to be you know josh heupel or or whatever i'd love that but the reality is the circumstances are much easier to discern after the fact than than at the time um, now at this time it's clear you cannot have brian harson continue for a third year i mean that that that's abundantly clear because it is incredibly abnormal to have these transfers in the middle of a season right. not not even like the week the day of a like <laughs> this I, isn't I, the bye week to, to tell you how bad exactly to tell you how bad is bad it's not even during the the bye week where you can think and process things and have a few days with your family and that sort of thing and oh i'm going to take my talent somewhere else i'm going to leave no it's it's game week prep you had the whole bye week you're now three four days away from a game and then the the guys are transferring because it's 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 becoming that bad and so you know it, it is not inherently transfers because as you just said alabama you said 20 transfers yeah. last year that's actually one more than auburn last year i didn't even know that but Alabama's not having like their number four wide receiver say, you know what? I don't think I'm doing this anymore. Didn't like my Mississippi State game. I'm out now. <laughs> um, so it's the timing of this. It's all the things collectively that have progressed, even that are far worse than in year one. And so that's why it's it's eliminating now. Yeah, uh, you know, with this many guys all of a sudden right here making this announcement, it uh, it, it makes me wonder how much you know their truth is to. The whole Brian Harson thing with uh, not giving red shirts to healthy players, and so it makes me wonder if these guys have been, uh, you know, if they're they're right on that cusp of of burning a year of eligibility. It's a wasted season. You're right on that cusp of burning that eligibility. Hey, coach, I need a red shirt. I don't want to burn a whole year of eligibility. I can go ahead and sit out now, and he's not uh, he's not giving them that, and so peace out. I'm that's I'm wondering if that's the case with that. Yeah, I mean, either way, I mean, it's just it's it's more than the wins and losses at this point. Sure, and it is you know how you're just losing. Auburn is getting to a point where they're going to have less depth than Group of Five schools. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they, I mean, because they're just not going to forget about talented players. They're not going to have players. 
They're not. They're not getting enough players. You think about all the players that they're losing to the portal. Obviously, lose a few to the NFL, which is normal. Lose several to graduation, which is normal. You got what eleven kids committed to the the class, and I mean, you're going to be scrambling in that portal. You're going to need not just four or five players in the portal. You're going to need double digit players in the portal. You need one for every position in the portal. Uh, forget the fact that you're going to need some pretty darn good portal players. So, I mean, the the the, the problem is is that the program is being is being hurt in more ways than just the current wins and losses. You're starting to talk about future years. And I think that's kind of what Terry was getting at in his phone call with Jeff Grimes is that this is not going to be some like smooth transition into a new coach who's going to walk in here and have the 2013 Gus Malzahn team or something. They're, they're going to have a true rebuild at this program. Auburn was wanting to retool when it went from Gus Malzahn to another coach. Now it's got to go full rebuild because they still won some with Malzahn. They just didn't win enough to people's liking. 2019, they went 9-3, and three, were top 15 team in the country. And then 2020, they went 6-4 and four in the SEC, which is still one of the better SEC records was uh, in the league that year. And so that's not a going into a rebuild. That's a retool to try and sure. uh, find your find a way to take that next step. Now you're so far behind, you, you'd love the problem of being nine wins, eight year eight wins every year. They've got to they've got to get to that point, and then they still got to get past that point to where Auburn really wants to go, which is conference championship contention. Once the playoff expands into the top twelve, you know, year in year out, and that sort of thing. And so it's a complete overhaul of the program. Whoever comes in after Harson, yeah. yeah. So basically, Auburn fell into the trap that I warned, and and all of us here and other people warned about is. Should Gus Malzahn have been let go? Yeah, I think it was time for him to be let go because the offense had stagnated, the recruiting had kind of stagnated, the the getting players, especially on the offensive side of things, to the to the NFL was not happening. Auburn's getting left behind. It was time to move on from from Malzahn. However, if you're gonna do this, you better get it right. You have to get it right. You cannot screw this up. Because he's a, he's still a good coach. He's a good guy. He's given you enough success. Yes, it's kind of a mediocre thing and and really good periodically. Comes in waves. Comes in waves. But if you make that move, you better damn well get it right. And Auburn did not get it right. In fact, it looks like they got it so wrong that, like you said, uh, I mean, it, it's bottoming. I mean, it, it is bottoming to something that I've never seen in all my years of watching football. And I've seen some pretty bad times. We've reached the end of the second hour of Sports Call. One hour left to go. Thanks again to all the phone calls that we had. Thanks to Ben Ingram for stopping by. Joe Bartle still will join the show in the final hour of our program. Alongside Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Drew Behenna, I'm JJ Jackson. Two hours of the Bucks, and we're rolling. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. 
Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started. Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy, Ryan LaVoy, and Drew Behenna. We're taking your phone calls. 334-887-3401. We're talking about any and everything going on in the wide world of sports. A big focus on this Auburn football program. And we're not even talking about the game coming up on Wednesday. Arkansas really good at running the football. Rocket Sanders, Rakeem Sanders, the SEC's leading rusher and yet that's not the story for this Tigers football program uh, talking about everything else going on in the world of Auburn football. To the phone lines we go to open up the hour we've got Jeff from Columbus. Jeff has called into the program. Hello Jeff. Hey guys how y'all doing? Quite well how are you sir? Good good got the phone lines lit up today I didn't know if I'd be able to get through but hey you all probably think I'm just calling in to join this Auburn bashing but no in uh, Steve's irritating words, what's he say? Not so fast, my friends. Okay. <laughs> what you got for us? Not so Man, I feel totally opposite as a Georgia fan and a fan of the SEC as a whole. Everybody but Auburn feels that Brian Harson deserves more time. <laughs> it would be in the best interest for all parties involved that they keep Brian Harson. So if you would, please send that. Tell Steve to send that in to your president up there. Hey, who is um, who is Brian Harson's uh, agent? Do you know? I don't know off the top of my head who he's represented by, but that's a big question because there have been reports out there uh, that Coach Harson could be trying to, to make a move to one of those Pac-12 schools for an opening out there and have an agent work for him and that sort of thing uh, behind the scenes while okay. this is taking place. Okay, so so he'd have two agents? No, just one. Okay, just one. But see, I've got this figured out, too. Uh, I know why they didn't get rid of Harson during the bye week, and I knew they wouldn't because I had some inside sources. Uh, they couldn't get his um, extension, his $40 million extension signed before they wanted to get rid of him. There's no Auburn coach going anywhere. Till they get a contract extension, okay. And even the dog you agrees know with that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Hell, somebody got to let the dogs <laughs> out. I guess that's what we're going to do this weekend against Florida. How about that? But, man, I'm just picking with y'all. I love it. I can't even bash y'all. Y'all doing too good. <laughs> I will talk to y'all later on this week. Sounds good, Jeff. Good to hear from you. That's Bye. our uh, our good pal Jeff from Columbus. He let the dogs out. Now he's going to go take care of them uh, right now. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what this future looks like for Brian Harson and this Auburn football program. Drew, what are you thinking? All the, all these calls coming in today, what's going through your mind up there? It's We're in a tough spot as a university, as an athletic program. Um, it's, I, it's almost complacency that I'm starting to feel. Just It feels like it's never going to end. But I, I still kind of stick by what I said earlier. I don't know if we're in a better spot necessarily if Brian Harson isn't our coach tomorrow. I think that 
the transfers will not necessarily increase, but they're going to keep transferring at that rate. I don't think we can just tell some of these guys that are already on the verge of leaving more than likely that you got to stick with an interim for five games because we're not going to make a hire in the middle of the season. Sure. It's past the middle of the season as well. And Deion Sanders is not walking in the door tomorrow. It, precisely. And there's <laughs> likely no one that fans would be happy with that could. So it's – as much as I don't want what's happening now to continue to happen, I don't see a much better option than just letting them finish this season. As soon as the season's over – um, buy him out, see ya. But I really, I just struggle to think that something is going to turn around and there's going to be an instant impact if he's gone tomorrow. It's, I struggle with what to do, I guess, but I don't think that just sticking with an interim head coach for five games, um, four of them SEC games, or is going to do anything positive for the Auburn Tigers. Well, I think any time you have this type of situation, you're looking to how hard the team is playing. And that was something that I found really interesting is the Ole Miss game. I thought they played pretty hard. I mean, they they were down 21 nothing. I know the defense overall was terrible, but they, they clearly stayed in that game and valued it and played it all the way out. I mean, it was nothing like what we saw – you know, in the back half of the 2012 season where Auburn had some disappointing close losses early and just gave way and, and couldn't give a crap the, the second half of the season. So my question is, do these transfers this week cause that? Do we see a, a switch flip from this bye week? We have, we have looked at it, or maybe the optimistic person would look at it uh, over this bye week, given that Auburn scored 34 points against Ole Miss, and say maybe Auburn's starting to figure out some offense, and, and, and maybe it's just that Ole Miss offense is so too, is is too damn good. So maybe Auburn comes out of the bye with a couple broken SEC teams, at least relatively speaking to, to some of the other teams in the league, Arkansas and especially Texas A and M in a few weeks, State. And, and say, well, maybe Auburn's going to hang around those games, might mess around one or, win one or two of them. But now I think the more realistic thing to look at or, or search for is maybe this team does start to fold because you've got guys just up and leaving in the middle of the season. Um, and again, not on the bye week, uh, three or four days before a game, and just growing unrest. And, and I know that, that people have said within the program that the noise on the outside is really not affecting them that much. They, they've kept their head down. They've kept working. And to this point, on the field, they've kept working. They haven't gotten a whole lot better, but they've kept working. They've played hard. But will that change after the events of this week and having now several guys transfer um, in the middle of this week, will that change the focus level Will that change the attitude level and will that cause them to not play with an edge and not play uh, with 100% effort moving forward? I think that's now the thing to, to look at. I, I, I personally don't want to make a prediction on that and, and the effort topic is a very touchy topic because I don't think we – that's not my first instinct when I analyze football say, oh, they just didn't really care today or – you know they, they they didn't try hard. You know that, who who am I to say that? 
but it is something that once it starts to happen, you can usually notice, and it is something that could, in this situation, it could be a factor here. Well, so in in Gene Chizik's last year here, I think everybody saw what it looked like a team that it just quit. It just quit on the coach. You could tell it. Yep. Like you said. Texas A&M scored a million and a half points. Yeah. Yep. It just felt like yep. they just didn't want to be there. They just quit. People keep expecting that to happen this year. And, and the, the whole question is, when is that going to happen? When when are you finally going to see it to where the players are just like, you know what, we've had enough, screw this, we're not playing. I, does that happen this weekend? I don't know. Like you, I'm not ready to predict that. Does it even happen? Do they play their butts off all the way up through the Iron Bowl? Um, either of them could happen. But it's definitely not a good look when, like we've talked about, you're right here in the middle of the season and after a bye week, now you've got all these guys bailing out. It doesn't look good. Um, it's it's just not a good it's, – it's not a good look. There, there's nothing positive about anything that's going on right now with that. Yeah, and I think, again, I, I like to be careful when I talk about kids' effort and, and just guys' effort because that's more about character. You know, and and – I can analyze someone and say that they're not very good at something and that sort of thing. That doesn't tell you a cent about what kind of person they are, you know. But if you start to say, guys, quitting, even if it is for a reason that's very seeable, a reason that some people would understand, you start to get into people not playing hard or you get into people that not – anything in life. Like if I came in here and J.J. asked me a question and said, eh, I don't care. And then JJ's like, "Well, what do you think about that topic? It doesn't interest me." Well, I'm not. I'm not trying hard, and that says something about me. You know, you can ag- disagree or agree with whatever I say, and that's about how good I am at at, at saying my points and and eloquently speaking. But that doesn't really say what I am as a person necessarily. But if I do my job half ass and I don't care and I don't show up to work on time and all that, well, that starts to say something about me as a person. And so I'm never going to just assume that people are going to stop caring. And people, and especially some of these guys that have stuck around during all this noise, and guys, when I I think of Owen Papos sitting in the locker room with him a few weeks ago and just how serious he was about trying to get things fixed and about trying to play as hard as they can, and that stuck with me. And and so guys like that, I'm not going to just assume – that the effort's going to wane. But it is a concern, and it is something that we will have to monitor here because all you have all the ingredients for it. You have a team that's underachieved, even, even though it did not have expectations. Auburn University being three and four, no matter the expectation, will always be labeled as underachieving. Yeah. And then you have a situation where the coach feels for all the world to be a lame duck coach, for all the world, it feels like players don't like him, or at least a lot of players don't like him. That's why we're seeing transfers in the middle of the season. So you have all the ingredients here to stir up a, a lack of effort. But again, we'll see. I think if they give good effort, there's still some games that they're gonna. They're, all these game, all these games except for Alabama, they can hang around in because Arkansas's defense is terrible. They do have really good offense. Uh, Mississippi State against solid defenses have been, has been sputtering offensively. Texas A&M is, 
is approaching an Auburn level of mess with what they've got That's going on. Dumpster there. fire going on. Um, and of course, Western Kentucky is is a Conference USA school. It's okay, but still Conference USA school. And then Auburn will get beat badly by by Alabama. But but the next four games, there's no reason if Auburn plays hard, they can't hang around and possibly win a couple of them if they're giving that good effort. So we'll see. But unfortunately, when when you see these transfers mid, middle of the season, middle of a game week prep. Your mind starts to wonder of of if that effort's going to hang in there. Short tenures in the SEC to be reminded of as a head coach, Brian Hartson in the year number two. Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State lasted two seasons. Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee lasted three seasons. And then the last head coach to be fired in November of his second season, not even making it through his second season. Anybody remember? Lane, Lane Kiffin. No. No. The last head coach to be fired in November. Wes Miles? No. Of his second season on the job. Didn't even get his second year finished. The last head coach. And and you said SEC? In the SEC. Joe Moorhead went two full seasons. Jeremy Pruitt went three full seasons. No. Good guess, but no. The last head football coach who was fired in November of his second year did not complete the season. Uh, I still... Coach O at Ole Miss? No. That's not, oh. It is in the SEC West. Uh, did they? No, surely they didn't. Did they? They didn't give the. Hang on. Tommy. Uh, or, uh, Terry Bowden? No. No, so, no that second Morris year, made a third year, right? Did Chad, or was Chad, Chad Morris, Morris okay. was fired in November okay. of his second okay. season. Chad Morris didn't even make it two full years. For some reason, I was yeah. thinking of the goofball. You guys were going way back. Well, I was also thinking Arkansas because of John L. Smith, and I know he was the interim coach, right? but I couldn't remember if they ever gave him the job, and that was a disaster. But Chad Morris was not great. Didn't <laughs> great even make either. it two full seasons. Fired beforehand. That's who Auburn plays this week is Arkansas. All right, let's take a break. Back with more Sports Call right after this. All of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Back on the program, Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy, Ryan the Voyant, Drew Bahena. And we are so excited to be able to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on one of our very good friends, Joe Bartle from RotoWire. Kind enough to join us, having another fantasy football conversation with us here on the Plains. Joe, the time is greatly appreciated. How's your week been, my friend? Uh, could be better, you know, favorite team. Uh, Packers struggling to almost a national level of discomfort, right? Aaron Rodgers is showing his inability to be a leader, and the Packers offense thinks but the defense is worse, and the special teams can't do anything better either. So uh, could be better there. And, oh, by the way, I also have DK Metcalf in most of my leagues where he got injured, and your boy Kyle Pitts, I guess everyone's boy here, Kyle Pitts, is uh, – 
also been letting me down too. So it has been a difficult fantasy season to say the least. Of the 15 teams, there's like three or four that I would say uh, are so dominant that I don't have to set my lineups most week. It's, it's just that good. And then there's probably three or four that I'm like, well, we're, we're entering week eight, uh, and this team sucks. Going to have to kind of check out a little bit mentally on that. And then a whole lot in between. Uh, and I imagine that's probably the same for a lot of other fantasy managers out there. Well, Joe, the good news for you is I'm in the same boat with uh, with the Bucks part of things because I also have a very old quarterback. Now, I do feel confident in his leadership abilities, but I do not feel confident in the Bucks doing anything positive for a while. Uh, but uh, talking fantasy with you, um, so I want to touch on this situation with New England first because I don't know if the quarterback position has any ramifications fantasy-wise between Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi, but just from your standpoint – of who is running that offense and how the Patriots might call plays, given who they select at quarterback there. Do you see anything notable changing with the dynamic of their wide receivers, running backs, and and, and tight ends, and that sort of thing, depending on who the quarterback is? Yeah, not really. I mean, we actually saw Zappi Hour uh, first and foremost here in Packerland when uh, Zappi had to take over Brian Hoyer uh, back in, what, week three or four? And I, I was pretty convinced this is one of the worst quarterbacks in the leagues. The fact that they've gotten Zappi to look good against the Browns and Lions in the subsequent weeks, and, and I know that the Browns and Lions to the worst defense in the league, but he looked like a, a capable quarterback. I, the issue is we had the same conversation with Mac Jones last year, too, where he was kind of a game manager, had some good games, uh, wasn't electric in terms of making plays, but just was in, with, he played within himself. And I don't know, maybe that was the story of the 2022 first quarter of the season because he had Cooper Rush doing the same things. There was so many conversations about Cooper Rush. Oh, does he push out Dak Prescott starter? And then lo and behold, Cooper Rush comes back down to earth, not a quarterback can win games with. And I think we saw the same thing with Zappi, like win competent games, and we saw the same thing with Zappi Monday night too. The only question I have is I don't know if I can say the same thing. Uh, I don't know if I can um, say anything differently, I should say, about Zappi that I do Mac Jones. I think they're kind of the same game manager quarterback. And Neither provides a level of athleticism that makes them necessary to play, which is kind of the argument you have with Sam Ellinger, who I'm sure we'll talk about too, replacing Matt Ryan in the starting lineup, uh, even though Matt Ryan's hurt. I, I don't, I don't really see a difference in it, and I think it depends on the matchup as to when Matt Jones and Zappy, if and when that quarterback controversy gets itself worked out, really is able to make anybody else fancy well besides Ramondre Stevenson. And I want to touch on actually another situation before we talk uh, some more, you know, about uh, as you said, Sam Ellinger or the Colts. But but in Arizona, one of the best wide receivers in the league, DeAndre Hopkins, coming back last week, played good football. I think he had around a hundred yards or so receiving. Got targeted double digit times. And so, does that make it feel like a, a sigh of relief for fantasy owners uh, of guys on the Cardinals and specifically of DeAndre Hopkins that he was able to come off the suspension and, and look just like the DeAndre Hopkins we've seen of old? Yeah, I mean, I actually would say he looks better because the DeAndre Hopkins that we saw for most of last year was not the DeAndre Hopkins that I think is going to be a Hall of Fame receiver when it's all said and done. That was a guy that you're like, oh, wait, is this the tail end of his career? And he's pushing over 30 plus years old now. And it's, had, it's not like the uh, Deshaun Jackson or super speed guys, DeAndre Hopkins' game his entire career has been the physical go-up-and-get-the-ball receiver. And I think, you would imagine, would have more wear and tear in his body than somebody that's more quick of feet uh, and plays in that same way. Now, he also plays on the outside as opposed to the spot where those more uh, targeted shots would happen. But I, I was kind of wondering towards the end of last year, is this the end of relevance for DeAndre Hopkins in terms of fantasy? So I was, I was happily surprised and... Uh, 
reaffirm that no, no, I think Hopkins looks pretty good. Now, you could make an argument this is going to be the healthiest Hopkins will be all year. He was off a six-game suspension. This wasn't an injury-related thing. He was able to practice the entire time as well, too, and maintain his, his shape for the season. So he should have produced the way he did, especially with Marquise Brown out. I don't think that changes in future weeks until we see DeAndre Hopkins maybe towards the end of December or whatever else uh, have that the rigors of the NFL season affect him. But it was good to see the beginning of the season uh, for him, and I think for fantasy managers who had a stomach through the six-week absence, that's good. Now, he's supposed to buy a week, so uh, seven weeks of, of being able to have a player and having to roster them at the same time the entire year is certainly punishment enough from a fantasy perspective, but I think he is very clearly at least a low-end fantasy wide receiver one at minimum wide receiver two rest of the way. We're talking with Joe Bartle from Roto-Wire here on Sports Call. And, uh, Joe, wanted to ask you about Mark Andrews, tied in for the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Obviously a bad weekend for fantasy owners with him last weekend uh, with uh, zero points. Obviously he's got a knee injury. What are you hearing on Mark Andrews? He, uh, everything I'm seeing still listed as questionable, but they've got a Thursday game. So if you're a fantasy owner of Mark Andrews, is it time to uh, maybe move him down and get somebody else in there that might get you some more points? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think we have an answer, and we probably won't until uh, 8.05 p.m. Eastern you know, <laughs> tomorrow. It's, it's, it, he is seriously questionable, and I think it's going to be one of those things where you have to see whether or not Andrews is going to be able to play. Um, I don't know. If Andrews is out, I'm not sure Lamar Jackson becomes a guy that you can really play either. Like that, that's how big of a ramification this injury could be. Right. And Lamar's been struggling the past two or three weeks. Lamar, I'm sorry, the Buccaneers' defense, pretty darn good as well, too. I think this could be a troublesome spot for Mark Andrews if he's unable to play, obviously. But even if he is, you know, Levante David and Devin Moore are probably the two best linebackers in the league in terms of coverage. It makes me a little bit worried. I think you have to play Mark Andrews if he's available. But if uh, if he's ruled out early and get a, head note, a bit of notice, I'm not sure Isaiah Likely, who is the kind of uh, fun front runner backup that people are excited about to begin week one, who's done basically nothing. I'm not sure Isaiah Likely is a plug and play either. I, I'm more concerned that I think the Buccaneers will just overall struggle. I'm sorry, the Buccaneers will shut down the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, the company, will struggle. I got a couple questions for you, Joe. Um, so I've been alternating seemingly for the past four, five weeks between Tom Brady and Geno Smith, and I just can't seem to start the right player the right week. Um, do you have a lean on Tom versus the Baltimore secondary and their whole defense versus um, Geno Smith coming up against the hot Giants right now? Yeah, and I don't blame you. I mean, Tom, Tom Brady has been a guy, especially against the Steelers, who had a bad secondary, and you fought against the Panthers, who traded with Christian McCaffrey and were waving the right, right flag in the season. Those those literally should, couldn't have been better matchups for him. I, I would have had Tom Brady in the starting lineup every week in both those, and of course, he struggles, and now you have to have concerns. Like, obviously, the Ravens secondary has been really bad, but the Buccaneers have been even worse. I tend to believe that the Buccaneers are going to fix things. I think Tom Brady is too professional of a quarterback, and I think that scheme and the players around him are too good to be an issue. However, you know, Mike Evans was also one of the guys that was banged up uh, following, following Sunday night's, sorry, Sunday's game uh, against him. And obviously, he's good to go. He's, there, there is no injury designation for this contest, but He's had issues all season long and the missing practices. And this isn't just a normal cadence type of deal. I, I don't know. I, I have a little bit of reservations about Tom Brady. We have him currently ranked uh, nine this week in Geno Smith 12. That's a bit of a difference, guys, between Daniel Jones, Dak Prescott. Uh, I, I think I would play Tom Brady, but I can understand the reservation if you want to go Geno Smith. 
Yeah, I hear you. And uh, following that up, um, is Dante Foreman worth starting yet, or do we need to see a couple more weeks? Yeah, kudos to you for having him. We had recommended that in the Tuesday Rotowire podcast, both Foreman and Chuba Hubbard and Gus Edwards, if you really want to get some bonus points for us on the podcast, uh, prior to all the big explosions. And I think it's kind of muddled the waiver wire this week. If you have Chuba Hubbard or Deonta Foreman, I think you're happy about what you've been able to see develop. Now, it is worth pointing out Foreman was the lead, uh, was, was, I'm sorry, the backup ball carrier while Chuba Hubbard was healthy for the first three quarters. Hubbard got hurt. Foreman had the long run. Yeah, and I finished things hard. out in that game, too. I, I think Foreman is the better talent, to be clear. And I, I actually believe that the talent, especially in the situation when the Panthers are uh, not very good, is going to win out. I'm not sure I'd consider him a starter necessarily. Now, if Chuba Hubbard is not going to be able to play, which I don't think we have an indication that's going to happen yet, well, then, yes, it's, it's a no-brainer to me. That's running back, too, clearly. But I would need to see a bit more details on uh, Chuba Hubbard and his availability before I really confirm that. Joe Bartles here with us from Rotowire. Follow him on Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports. So tell me about Sam Ellinger and the Colts. Should we start Colts players this week? What does Ellinger's fantasy prospects look like? Give us a rundown there of Indy. Yeah, I think it's a frustrating thing. Um, I I do not believe Frank Reich for one second and says that Sam Ellinger is going to play the entire year. I think that's just an absolute lie. But he is an athletic quarterback. I, I've kind of thought of him more like a... Uh, if if uh, not, man, it's it's tough. He's going to be running the ball, and he's not going to be like a Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson. I was going to say RG three two. All those guys are way 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 more to that dynamic running the ball. But their mentality, where you can make a big play with the legs, and they're going to try to do that, fits what Ellinger's play style is. Is that effective with the way the Colts run the offense? No, I don't really think so. Uh, that being said, Matt Ryan certainly hasn't been effective either. So I get it. You're still theoretically in the AFC South division race, might as well try to turn things around, especially when Matt Ryan is injured and pretend otherwise. I just don't think Allender's a very good uh, NFL prospect, and that would be my biggest concern. And you're right, do you start other players? Obviously, Jonathan Taylor probably has to play. Same with Michael Pittman, too. But I thought Alec Pierce was kind of a low-end water receiver two or three most weeks. I'm not sure I feel the same way about that. And Paris Campbell, back-to-back, uh, back-to-back weeks with 10-plus targets, does that happen? I mean, like, if Ellinger plays the way the Colts want him to, to be a successful guy that has the starting job the entire year, he probably throws it instead of the 40 times Matt Lyon was throwing it, it's up to 25 times, and Ellinger runs another seven or eight. That's what the Colts want when you're putting him as the starting spot. So you're losing targets some way. I have to imagine Paris Campbell's one of that, and I think uh, Alec Pierce would be another. Maybe the running backs, too, which stinks because Jonathan Taylor finally was getting involved in the passing game last week. Uh, it's it's not a great scenario. I think they're they're significantly downgrading at quarterback, and I recognize how bad Matt Ryan has been this year. All right, Joe, I want to transition to basketball for just a question or two. We know that you are in 7 million leagues in football. How many basketball leagues are you in? Yeah, only two. I think if the basketball season didn't coincide with the football season, because we're, we're knee-deep in football yet, I would be a little bit more intrigued in it, but this is just a – Let's uh, dip our toes in the water. And I like to have action on the NBA because I'm watching the games anyway. So only two leagues, but they are pretty high-stakes leagues, at least uh, relative for my, my budget. So I'm very much invested. I'll say it that way. And so just a week in the season, just four games, very small sample size, relatively speaking. But uh, just give me a, a player or two that you're kind of maybe a little bullish on, that you, that you stand by maybe a stronger statement and that, that you think they're going to have big fancy years. Well, I, I talked about last week, and I'll stand by it still. I think Dante Murray is going to be a guy that 
Uh, you're getting on the 30 or 35th player overall, and I think he's got upside of top 15, top 20, depending on what kind of category of leagues you're playing in the steals. I mean, four steals this past night, nine <laughs> rebounds, nine assists. He doesn't have to score. He gives you everything else in every other category, which I find really, really valuable. He had 21 points. He was averaging 21 points per game with the Spurs last year. If he got around that number, that was kind of like the, yes, I'm happy with that. It would be more if he turned it into the 16 or 17 territory points per game that would be an issue. And so far, that hasn't been the case. I would have thought the assists would be a little bit more, uh, uh, not valid, but it would be a bit more there given the Hawks' offense over, overall. But I'm going to say let's get some chemistry underneath the team, and I think some things are going to work out. I've been really, really high in Jaden IP2. I was getting him at, uh, at the end of late drafts, or at the end late in drafts, just about everywhere I was going, even in best ball stuff too. And I've been more than pleased with what he's been able to produce so far. If Kate Cunningham were to be out for whatever the reason, I, and I don't want that, I mean, Kate's really good for the NBA and certainly good for the Pistons. If Kate were to not play, we're talking about Jaden Ivey, who's got about 15 to 1% usage rate, maybe even less than that in certain formats getting close to like 30%, and that's that's upper-tier overall players uh, in the NBA. You Fantasy-wise, you're talking about a, a massive boon if that were to occur. And again, I don't want it to with Kate Cunningham, but that's the upside you're referring to with Jaden Ivey, or at least what I think could happen. So I like him uh, quite a bit. Obviously, Banchero's been awesome, too, for the Magic. I think there's some of these young guys that overall uh, aren't getting enough credit or at least slept on to begin the season that could be pretty effective. From the on-the-floor perspective, we certainly know that it's not working with Russell Westbrook and the Los Angeles Lakers. The wins aren't necessarily there. But, Joe, from the fantasy perspective, given that this guy has been an MVP winner before, has more triple-doubles than anybody else in the history of the sport, just how much has Russell Westbrook fallen off as a fantasy basketball player? Yeah, just to put this into context, uh, I did two different auction formats. That's the preferred way that I like for all fantasy, but... Specifically for NBA, I feel like it's it's a little bit easier because there's a lot more guys within a certain tier, uh, and I also think there's less guys that are uh, bullish on their tiers, so therefore there's not extremes in the auction value. We had Russell Westbrook valued right around the fifteen to twenty dollar range in two hundred budget. Pretty common, makes sense. Jaden Ivey was three dollars. Jaden Ivey has dramatically outperformed Russell Westbrook again through a week, but it's been it's been insane. Last year with the Lakers, his first year of the Lakers, he averaged 18 points per game. The last time Russell Westbrook averaged 18 points per game in the season was all the way back in his second year, uh, wow. back in 2009-10. It's insane. This year, averaging 10. Like it's, it, I mean, it's, again, three games, I understand, but this is a dramatic difference that we're seeing. And obviously, the large part is a three-point percentage, which has been uh, drawn out nationally and completely uh, justified with it. He's attempting just as many three-pointers as he was in previous years, if not more, and hitting at just an absurdly low rate. Last year, 29%. Uh, the, the, his year with Washington, I should say, he had 31%. Certainly not ideal, but that was a good mark over the last five or six years. He's never been known as a three-point shooter, but the fall-off right now has been pretty dramatic in that case. And you've seen, I think, a couple of these national games. Literally, it's, it's like you're watching uh, a high school defense when yeah. they're off these guys, and everyone's got a foot in the paint especially when it comes to Westbrook, it's been tough. And uh, so long as he is in the lineup, no, he's not tonight, but so long as he's playing, it hurts everyone around him because the offense production is just limited when you can play defense like that. <laughs> Joe, thank, thank you for the time, man. No, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. That's our pal Joe Bartle joining us here on the program. I'm an absolute wreck. 
I've had a coughing spell. <laughs> I'm going to have to text you immediately. Thought I was gonna and now, to... of course, that he's off the air, I've been able to put it all together. But thought I was going to have to give you the Heimlich maneuver there for a little bit. <clears throat> wow. Whew. Are you going to hit the por- are you going to hit the portal now? Yeah, I might need to leave, man. Getting after all that, choked up and emotional. Joe's amazing. That's good insight and intel from him. Drew, thanks for asking about Geno Smith. That guy has the best completion percentage in the NFL. Who saw that coming? Russell Westbrook is terrible. And we talked about it all with our pal Joe Bartle. Follow him on Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports. Our show continues in a moment here on Tiger 95.9 FM. Tweeters. Follow our sports call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. We're Sports Call. I'm J.J. Jackson. I had a coughing fit uh, in our last segment with Joe Bartle. I do apologize. Still working your way I'm, back I'm, towards 100%. I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm absolutely working on it. We're winding down the show today. We need to celebrate our birthdays. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Short and sweet today. Birthdays in Sports on October 26, 2022. Brought to you by Max Credit Union. <laughs> Max Credit Union. <laughs> Max Credit Union has two locations, one in Auburn on Gay Street, one in Opelika on Frederick Road. Drake Patrick, the former Alabama cornerback, played with the Cardinals and 49ers. He's 33. Shai Smith is a wide receiver for the Panthers. He played at South Carolina. He's 24. Nick Collison, he played for the Thunder for a million years, only ever played for the Thunder. His number four jersey was retired by the Thunder. Is he the original Udonis Haslam? (laughs) Yes. Um, he uh, his number four jersey was retired by the Thunder, which he did never really do anything except play for them forever. Exactly. So, so is he the original Udonis has minus three championship uh, rings. Well, yes. True. Uh, and at Kansas, his number four jersey was retired. He was the uh, player of the year one year in college. Is yeah. Also, multiple time All American, 2003 Big Twelve Player of the Year. He deserves. <laughs> he he deserves a yeah. lot of. Uh, uh, yeah, he deserves to have his jersey retired in college. Yeah. Uh, Monte Ellis is 37. He's a former NBA shooting guard, drafted in the second round of the 05 draft by the Warriors out of high school. <laughs> Played for the Bucks, <laughs> Mavericks, and Pacers. At this point, it's just funny. Uh, you know, I know, I'm really I, struggling. I, I, look, but look, this is what we were talking about earlier with kids' effort. JJ's not performing well right now, clearly, but he's giving he's, it his all. He's, he's trying to through. stick I'm in trying. there. He, did, he didn't just end the show. Like he's he's uh, fighting I'm, through. It. Uh, Francisco Liriano is 39 today. The former MLB pitcher played for the Twins, White Sox, Pirates, Blue Jays, Astros, and Lions. I'm Detroit Tigers, not Lions. <laughs> uh, that's an NFL team. Uh, a one-time All-Star, a 2017 World Series champion, and twice was named the Comeback Player of the Year. So. Trey Kirkpatrick is 33. Shy Smith is 24. Nick Collison is 42. Monte Ellis is 37. And Francisco Liriano is 39. That 
<laughs> is birthdays and sports brought to you by Max Credit Union. I, I liked Liriano a lot as a pitcher when he was healthy, especially that first time with the <laughs> Twins. Had a great breaking ball. Uh, he he was uh, injuries really destroyed his career. I mean, I know he came back and still had another couple good years, but Liriano to me is one of the, one of the bigger pitching what ifs. Him, Johan Santana, some of these guys really could have had. 15, 17-year runs of, of dominance that were cut way short because of Tommy John surgery and all that. Next up. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. The Nightly TV Guide brought to you by White Claw. We've got a couple of things to tell you about. Auburn Volleyball against Florida. Huge match. The top two teams in the SEC, 7 o'clock on the SEC Network. Uh, a couple of movie picks for you this evening. Just one night at the museum. Two is on Stars. The Masked Singer is on at 7 on Fox. The Lakers and Nuggets play at 9.30 on ESPN. The Bucks and uh, Nets play at 6.30 on ESPN. Hockey is on TNT. We've got Islanders Rangers at 6.30 and at 9. The Tampa Bay Lightning, loved by Ryan LaVoy, travel to Anaheim to take on the Ducks. A nightly TV guide Quack. brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. you got to be careful trying to make me laugh, uh, oh, given man. my current status right now. It was that one, but all only directed at you. It I know it was uh, it was funny. It, it was yeah. the uh, it was the ducks, and that was a, a good and thing that bolts, you did there in yeah. the bolts. And so you went quack, quack. like the buck does. Yep. Uh, early. Oh no! Like the <laughs> duck does. All right, and then before our show ends today, time for your sports call hump day update on the Campbell Gamble's football team. My microphone was not turned on. Hello. 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 Um, what is our update today for the hump day? Well, the uh, Fighting Campbell Camel, or the Campbell Fighting Camels, faced off with the Fighting Deion Sanders Jackson State Tigers over the weekend, and they fell 22-14. to 14. So uh, a great effort against Jackson State, who moved to 7-0. and uh, Shadur Sanders had a big game for Jackson State. Uh, Campbell, though, they, yeah, they kept it close. Just, you know, they're losing a tight one there. Uh, Hajmalik Williams, 15 of 28, 131 yards and a touchdown. Uh, McDowell for uh, Campbell, nine carries, 48 yards. So, uh, yeah, they hung with they hung with Deion Sanders and Shadur Jack. Uh, sorry, Shadur Sanders, yeah. Can I, may hung, I out, s- hung with the Jackson State. May team. I just say to all those here, I watched some of that game. Woo! I, I watched Campbell with my own eyes. I watched about two possessions each team. It was in the first quarter. I watched Campbell <laughs> score when I when I left left the game. It was seven nothing, and that's because my dad watches all the Campbell games. I'm not kidding at all. Because again, he he went to North Carolina. He went to Chapel Hill, but if his backup school, he almost went to Campbell. So right. he still likes the Camels. Uh, he we love the Camels. Always watched Camels and. I wasn't about to watch the full game, admittedly, but I said, we can watch a quarter. We can watch it for a little bit. You were there to participate. So we turned it on, so I watched some camels this weekend. Yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's our uh, hump. Can you sign us off and just let me say thank you? <laughs> <laughs> JJ's lungs got a little thirsty and needed some water, and so... I don't know if water's done it. He's almost gone through the whole bottle. You want me to end this? All right. 
Well, as always, we thank all those who tuned in and called in today. We thank Joe Bartle of Rotowire and the voice of the Atlanta Braves, Ben Ingram. For Tom Peavy, for Drew Behenna, for the host of the show that cannot speak right now, J.J. Jackson. My name is Ryan LaVoy. We'll be back with a fresh sports call for you tomorrow and hopefully a host that can say all the words without coughing. Thank you and good day.